Dopey Podcast Dopey Podcast Well dopey now podcast. is the time for the Dopey Podcast When you call in and dopey put podcast. all your life on blast And you call dopey in podcast. and talk about your past Because your life was curious, hardcore and fast So now is the time for the Dopey Podcast It's the Dopey Podcast, the Dopey Podcast, yo This is the Dopey Podcast This is the Dopey Podcast Now if your life was curious, hardcore and fast You feel like you want to put your life on blast Just call up the show and I talk about your past Cause now is the time for the Dopey Podcast Dopey Podcast It's the Dopey Podcast, the Dopey Podcast, yo This is the Dopey Podcast This is the Dopey Podcast Who must say hard and pull up? Yes, I stay strong, Dopey Nation Yes, all of my brethren and my sister in and out of recovery. Give thanks for the most high power. Yes, I. Rastafari. Peace and love. This episode of the Dopey Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Aloe Recovery. Located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu and Silver Lake, Aloe was created by our good friend Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Bob, and Jared, on the principle that drug addiction should be treated with compassion and connection rather than control. It's run by a bunch of clinicians with decades and decades of experience. They treat co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness, and they offer addicts a comfortable detox, which is crucial if you're kicking heroin or benzos or alcohol, whatever you're kicking, you want your detox to be comfortable. Also, they have amenities that are very, very, very beautiful. They have surfing and equine therapy and sweat lodge and fucking sound bath meditation. If you're fucked and you need a place to go and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, I highly recommend Aloe. This episode is also brought to you by listeners like you through the power of the Dopey Patreon page. It's www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. I know I've been remiss in not putting up new Patreon stuff, but it's just because I've been bogged down by this fucking coronavirus. Look to next week for new Dopey Patreon content. And in the meantime, if you can throw a few bucks, if Dopey is keeping you happy, joyous, and free, then contribute, whatever you can, if you want. Big news, the new store is up. We have teamed up with a company called SRO Prints. There is a new Dopey hoodie with the zipper, with the just the head and the Dopey train on the back. There is a new limited edition Big Bird t-shirt and long sleeve. We're taking pre-orders for this month, and then we're going to ship at the end of the month. Big Bird is only available for the month, so if you want it, you should get it. Go to www.dopeypodcast.com. There's also really nice new women's tank tops and uh, and a new red Dopey t-shirt, so that's exciting. Um I think that's it for the fucking uh, ads. So here is the fucking show. Hello, 
and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave, and I'm joined by my favorite person, my beautiful partner, Linda. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, everyone. And I need you just a little closer to the mic. Let's go closer. And Testing. When last we had Linda on the show, there were a lot of things up in the air. A lot of mm-hmm. questions were unanswered. A lot of things people didn't know or did know or whatever. A lot of mystery. And I mean, like, listen, this is a very serious time. It's a very yeah. serious time in the world. Uh, we're facing a pandemic. Uh, that's we're not can- facing one. We're, we're deep in one. We're deep in a pandemic. You know who died today? Bill Withers. Fucking Bill Withers. God, I love Bill Withers. I love Bill Withers. You like Bill Withers? I do, but... He, did he sing Lean On Me? Yes. I didn't realize that until today. He sang also, uh, he sang Lean On Me, Grandma's Hands. What's the other song? There was one song that I, I knew was him that I really liked. Hold on. Bill Withers Now song. I feel stupid. So Ain't it was Ain't No Sunshine. Ain't No Lean Sunshine, on Lean On Me, Grandma's Hands, You're Gonna oh, Use Me. Grandma's Hands. You like that one? I don't know that song. Robbie's, my friend Robbie's sister posted that Grandma's Hands was her most favorite Bill really? Withers song. That's but a I, weird name. I don't love the song Grandma's Hands. It's always, it always kind of annoyed me. Um, and uh, you got to use me or keep on using me until I use you up. Use you up. Um, Bill Withers died of, of coronavirus, yeah. COVID-19. Uh, the Marsalis, the grandfather in the Marsalis family died from the coronavirus. The dude from the band... Um, Dashboard fa- Confession. No, Dashboard? Fountains of Wayne. Oh, was, no, Dashboard Confessions or something like that. I don't know. You sure about this? Yes, I just read about it today. Well, the point is that the coronavirus is killing a ton of people, and um, it's a tough time, and, and people aren't leaving their houses. And uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to say this last week, but Linda was very unsure. She didn't feel comfortable. But the truth is that I tested positive for the coronavirus mm-hmm. like uh, two weeks ago. Yes. And, and Linda wound up getting the coronavirus around then, too, from me. Yeah. And um, why don't you describe, like, why you didn't want me to... Uh, well, so... Can sit closer to the mic. <clears throat> Friday You're going to make me crazy with this stupid Friday microphone. the 13th. Um, Friday, we'll, March 13th. We'll always remember that because it was Friday the 13th. Um, I had went out to dinner with a friend. My daughter ha- uh, was at school. This wound up being the last day she was going to be at school for who the heck knows how long. And uh, I was out, out to dinner with a friend, and we talked about this briefly two weeks ago, but uh, Dave wanted me to come home. He was so sick, blah, blah, blah. And things were still so new that I didn't think like, oh my gosh, he has the coronavirus. I thought he was being, you know, a baby and, and, or just was sick. And why would I be being a baby? So we don't have to rehash because obviously this was discussed two weeks ago. Um, so then probably around Wednesday, that Wednesday, uh, after the Friday the 13th, he started getting a sore throat. Then he started getting like additional fevers. I think I, I had a sore throat um, every day, and I and I was saying to you every day, I have the coronavirus. I think I have the coronavirus. Well, so then my concern started when he started to then just get more fevers and high fevers, which is just you know, and and a little bit of a sore throat, but really just these really crazy fevers, um, which is just not you know normal to just get sort of out of the blue as a grown up. And um, 
So we said that he should go to the emergency room. We, we, we talked about all this. Okay, so let's fast forward. Uh, our family was out for a walk, you know, social distancing. Nobody was around. We were out for a walk. This was uh, per, that following Sunday. And I was feeling better. He was feeling better. However, I now was starting to feel sick. Um, sick in a very different way than Dave, which is why we wanted to talk about this, just if people are listening, you know, to hear that two different people in the same household, both with the coronavirus, had completely different experiences. So one thing that Dave had going on was he lost his sense of uh, smell and taste. And I still don't have it. Which he still does not have two weeks later, which is, which is turning out to be a very common The weirdest um, part is symptom. that I'm eating more and tasting less. So he's in hell, essentially, because he can't taste anything. <laughs> not, it's not stopping him from eating, you know, everything. everything but, um, but for me, I had the more typical um, coronavirus symptoms in that it was all in my chest. It was all respiratory. My lungs hurt. My breathing, I had chest pain, and I had a very hard, I was having very labored breathing. So it actually woke me up at about four in the morning where I was I don't want to say gasping for air, but I was really struggling to breathe, and I was like, oh, shit. I've never had this before. That was Sunday morning, right? Yeah. I don't have asthma. I've never, ever, ever had this experience in my life, so we assumed that that's what this was. So when we got the phone call, um, it was the department. We could tell there was, I think the number was a, a 518, which was Albany. No, it was a, it was a Nassau County number. The first call. Okay, so we so we were in the all in the car driving home, and Dave answered it, and it was a Department of Health nurse giving him his positive result, and um, that I shared with her my symptoms, and she was like, "Yeah, you know, there's no way your whole family doesn't have it, but the children aren't getting sick, but it sounds like you have it have it too. You just have the more of the lungs and the respiratory." Uh, version and then Dave had and at this point Dave was like getting better and I was actually getting worse. I also felt incredibly vindicated when I got the positive. Oh, results. he was like, you've never seen someone look so happy when they find out they have the coronavirus. Well, it was like, and the worst thing about it though was that number one, like I never got validation for being sick when I was sick. I never got to lie around. He gets abused. I, I only get abused. I never got, no one gave me chicken I still soup. really didn't you never, give you that much credit. I no. was like, well, thanks, because now I'm yeah, sick. So just, I, then I was just pissed all yeah, over again. Yeah, so basically I got to suffer the coronavirus, and then I got to suffer you having the coronavirus. And I never got the credit or the care. Well, Dave was all upset because the nurse was like, you know, like not realizing that we were pres- always on top of each other and we weren't, that she's like, well, you might want to start to quarantine and I was like, oh, no, no. I was like, move me into the basement He's getting now. all excited that he can be in the basement, Go buy watch frozen, TV. frozen stuff, a French bread pizza. I said, oh, I, I, said I have it. of 21 John yeah. Street. I said, no, I have it too now. So everybody's going to hang out and, and help out. Like it, like it wasn't like that the <laughs> week before. Um, and then uh, we get home, right? We get home on Sunday and, you know, I'm, fe- I'm feeling like I'm on the mend, you know, and I'm feeling vindicated that I have the coronavirus, but I'm feeling on the mend. And, and we were hanging out in the backyard, and I go upstairs, and why don't you tell that story? The craziest story with the baby. What? I don't... I don't. When the baby starts eating the seeds off the fucking... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so then... 
Okay, so this is the same day we find out Dave has the coronavirus. I tell her about my symptoms. She's like, you definitely have the coronavirus. And um, we come home and we're like, well, that's crazy because I'm still scared. Like I still am at the beginning of this thing. So I'm like, what's going to happen to me? Am I, is this going to keep getting worse? Um, and at this point, you know, the hospitals were not where they're at right now. It is a million times scarier. Um, we are very blessed that we get to sit here and tell this story. We're not... I don't know what it's like in the rest of the the country or the world, but in in New York, it's crazy. New York City, and now where we live on Long Island, it is it is the hottest of hot spots. But at the same time, like um, you said, some people have no symptoms. Right. Some people have mild symptoms. I got a fever. You had trouble right. breathing. It's a it's but, a myriad. It's a very variable situation. But what's happening right now is. Um, that wasn't happening when we kind of found out. And this is how fast this shit is progressing. Like, this was only what? Like, I guess two weeks ago, right? A week and a half, yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. Things were, it was a different world. Like, you could go to the emergency room and you could still get, you know, there wouldn't be a short a shortage of ventilators or, you know, the staff still had... It was just uh, hitting. The staff still hitting. had masks. And, I mean, it wasn't as, as as bad. So it was still hitting, but it wasn't as scary as it would be for folks just starting to have symptoms now living where we are because it's, 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 it's quite a bit worse. Um, so anyway... But we were still a little freaked out. Dave was feeling better, but I wasn't feeling better, and I was now having weird symptoms. So I was a little scared, and so we were a little shaky. We're in the backyard hanging out, and um, our our one year old, or almost two year old, was over by the basketball hoop, and um, for some stupid idiotic reason, we filled the base of our basketball hoop with um, antifreeze. With water mixed with antifreeze, antifreeze, so the water doesn't freeze. And sand mixture, so the water wouldn't freeze. And that's what it's done. Whatever. So um, the cap for the bottom of the for the base must have came undone or what have you. So there was a little. There's always this little pool on the base from the basketball. Hoop. Hoop. Um, that's just there. And, you know, who gives a shit? I mean, no one ever notices it or pays attention to it. But, of course, a toddler would find that fascinating. And so... I'm Nor- in the house. Dave's in the house. Nora's, you know, hanging around the backyard. I'm just going to put something in the garage. And I look over, and Susan is taking mouthfuls of some kind of... Whatever is floating in that, what I thought was water, and, and eating it. The irony is they were seeds. They were from, seeds from a flower. From the black-eyed Susan. I investigated. I had two black-eyed Susan plants planted right. behind there, and there were bl- Susan's eating fucking black-eyed Susan seeds mixed with the antifreeze Soaking water. in antifreeze. Well, mostly water. But... But with antifreeze. But yes. I didn't even realize that was antifreeze. So I go over and I'm like, Susan, oh my gosh, there's all black seeds. I mean, she's chewing like we're talking. So then I'm, I start to get scared. We have to take pictures of the seeds to see if the, you know, sometimes berries and seeds are poisonous. So then Dave's like, comes outside. He's like, what's going on? He goes, well, you realize that's antifreeze, right? And I'm like, what? So I call poison control, thinking they're going to just say, give her some milk or give her some water. Give her some, water. Give her some carbon. We're, we're already in shock because we have the coronavirus. We should have just given her the, the activated charcoal. So Anyway, I'm sorry. Anyway, so I call poison control, and the guy says, 
you need to call 911 right away. And I'm like, what? And he goes, antifreeze is, is one of the biggest toxins that can, can be fatal and even the tiny. I'm like, well, it probably was only like a quarter of a teaspoon to mix in the water. He goes, that's enough to, and I'm like, holy shit. He goes, call, you have to call 911. Susan, next, and meanwhile, Susan's going, rah, 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 rah. Susan's you know, happy you know. running around. I call 911. And I'm, and I'm thinking, don't call them. Everything's fine. But then, like, what the fuck? What if everything wasn't fine? Right, we don't know. The ambulance shows up, and Dave runs outside as I'm getting a change in Susan's diaper. This is the best part. The and ambulance Dave pulls runs up. up. The yeah, ambulance okay. pulls up. And, um, and, like, I have the coronavirus. And so <laughs> we all the, do. The whole house. The Susan ambulance, probably does. The ambulance pulls up with three cop cars, and, and Nora goes, Daddy, why is the police here? I said, oh, mommy called the cops. She goes, why did mommy call the cops? I said, because Susan ate antifreeze. <laughs> and, then, and then two EMTs come to the door, and they look at me, and I, and I hold my hands up, and I'm realizing this is like a weird international incident moment, and I say, I'm positive. I, I have it. <laughs> the coronavirus. And they run back yeah, to they the do. fucking ambulance get to get the more protective gear. Covered. They put full full gear on, and then I, I'm holding Susan in the doorway. Susan's laughing. And I'm I like, felt like we were in fucking E.T. Yeah. And the fucking space guys were coming to collect the specimen or whatever. It right. was like, it was, and when I said, it's just crazy. Because I, because like, I, I, Linda is sure that I was the first person in our town to get it. And she's probably oh, right. Oh, you were. I, you know, and. Because uh, on, so on News 12, they would show the breakdown of each town of how many cases. And Saville never was on it because there hadn't been a case. So me and Nora were so excited to see, like, Sable won. But that didn't happen. We well, now Sable's, it. like, 50. Like, Thanks that's how fat. I mean, now it's... <clears throat> um, but so then poor Linda had to ride with Susan to the emergency room. Me and Nora were just hanging out, like, drawing pictures of Harry Potter and listening to Harry yeah, Potter and the Goblet little... of Fire. So I, they make... And everyone's wearing full garb because of us, because they think I'm positive. Then they Which you were. Me, then they had me wear a mask. And then we go to the emergency room. I spent five hours in the emerge in the children's wing, um, which was empty. And I said to the woman, I said this, and she said the adult wing is absolutely slammed. And she said, and the children's wing is is she's like, you're like one of the only ones here. And I'm like, well, if there's anything good about this fucking virus, it's that it doesn't affect the kids. Because if it did, I I would be in like a mental institution. I heard it affects infants, and I know it affects teenagers. I know that my friend Devin's, Izzy had it, and and Alex's daughter had it, but they're like 16. They say zero, well, maybe not zero, let's say one. Izzy's like what, 13, 12? I don't know. Well, they say, no, because Nora's 10. But they say uh, like 1 to 14 are, are in a safe zone. Right. Um, because they're exposed to so many things that their immune system's like, whatever. You know, just fights it right off. Anyway, um, after all that... One, the so it was the day from hell. It was, it was it just definitely went down in history. We were there for five hours. And, and it's so crazy because, like, you can't go anywhere... Because we're positive, so we didn't. He couldn't come in the hospital to get us. We had to like have a. We had to meet him outside without him coming in. We had to wear protective gear. And again, it's very scary because I knew that I had it, and yeah. I knew that like before that I was like, "What the fuck? I probably have it." Whatever. When I found out I had it, I knew that I was dangerous. So like me and Nora were <laughs> just sitting. We're weapon. sitting in the car listening to the Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. 
and uh, just waiting for hours. Like, we sat there for, like, two hours or, like, an hour and a half waiting for you. And, like, the guard walked up to the car, and I was like, like, I'm positive. Well, I didn't didn't say anything because I didn't want him to make us leave. I just, whenever I've talked to anybody since I've tested positive, I, like, look the other way. I don't want them to be in my line of fire. Well, if you even touch, you touch a, a... a steel or metal or copper or whatever the ones that hold onto the virus the longest, you'll just like a door, you know, you open a door. You're contaminating that door for the next person. And so I feel it though. I feel like a, a pariah. I feel like a criminal. That's why you're not supposed to leave the house. Right. Well, I which barely is why did. You, have it. you know, I right. barely did until the, the symptoms were all gone. And I, I was dying to announce this on the show last week, but Linda was very nervous about it. It wasn't about being nervous. It was about I still didn't feel well. Right. And this virus is so tricky because they say for some people the um, <clears throat> the peak of sickness starts around day four or five. Right. And that was kind of around my day four or five. And I'm like, I don't want to go and do some whole thing. And then what happens if I get – I want to be better. I want to come on the show when I feel – comfortable that we're both better and then we can go on and share our story but um for me i don't think my the worst day was my i mean unless i had it for a while and i didn't know i had it at all because that first night where i got really sick that was by far the worst it ever got for me you know yeah i mean in high i was telling a friend of mine today about how when i came home that night friday the 13th he was asleep but he was in his bed moaning just this moaning and I was like that is just strange and he had this fever and he was awake but sleeping and just this and that was what um Dave and I were talking about this earlier Governor Cuomo who is our beacon of hope and strength right now he's just so amazing um his brother has it and his brother has been very outspoken his brother's been very sick but his sickness was a lot like Dave's it was just crazy crazy high fevers and um, he said that he actually has um, been was hallucinating quite a bit just from these wild, wild fevers. Um, I had like, and that happened to Dave. Well, we had started watching the Tiger King, and I go to bed, and I have this fucking terrible nightmare, um, and it scared the shit out of me. And I woke up, and I like came down the stairs like a little kid. I was He's like, like, Linda, come was, upstairs with me. I, I was scared, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to go to our first guest. And our first guest is um, the sometimes controversial but very illustrious Dr. Drew. And Dr. Drew was very interested in my nightmares, and I wound up sharing my nightmares. Oh, okay. Him. I was wondering how you're going to lead this into the guest. Well, this is uh, Dr. Drew, you know, obviously a prominent uh, doctor who's been under a bit of scrutiny since this thing. And, and here's Dr. Drew. It is always a pleasure to have the great Dr. Drew Pinsky on the show. If only it wasn't uh, the fucking end of the world coronavirus pandemic. Dr. Drew Pinsky, welcome back to the show. I know. We got it. We better change the direction of this whole thing. You know what I'm saying? It's getting terrible. And now you've had it. Yeah. I mean, I, I got it quickly, though, and I was not surprised because I work in, like, the most trafficked place in the most trafficked world. You know, like, yeah. New York City... 
Penn Station, Katz's Deli, catering. It's a, it, it was a recipe for this thing, I think. You know, it, it, oh, for sure. But, but, uh, but I, I've decided that I'm concerned that when we look back on this thing, we're going we're gonna to figure out that the elevator and the trains were the primary means of transmission, especially the elevators. I mean, think about that. Somebody coughs or sneezes in an elevator, and then you walk in a second later, that's it. You got it. Right. Especially like my dad lives in these uh, old Jewish public housing buildings and everybody yes. on there is coughing and gross. And my dad is well, scared. But, and there's no ventilation. The hallways are one foot across. The elevators are three feet across. You know what I mean? Those are like prime, prime territory for this. But what could what could have been done to prevent it? Like constant vigilant uh, disinfection? Like what could you do? Well, not a lot, to be fair, but but I wish we'd been sort of more, I don't know, systematic or or enlightened, you know, sort of start with, hey, everybody, take the stairs, wear masks, let's monitor people who have this thing, let's stay away from them, let's get everyone, you know, it could have been done in a more sophisticated way, but we didn't do it, we did it a different way, we just shut everything down. Right. So there, there it is. And being this, you know, very public, uh, you know, famous doctor, how difficult has this whole thing been for you to keep up with and the pressure on you and everything? Has it been very hard? Yes, because I've been trying to get everybody to calm down. And I've been, you know, I'm trying not to compare it to influenza, but I'm trying to get people to measure their emotional response against the flu which kills 30 million and infects 24 million every year. I mean, sort of 30,000, I beg your pardon, and uh, infects 24 million. And, and, you know, just get, get it. Let's get going. This is, this is an awful flu. It's terrible. It's highly contagious. It's more fatal. We need to deal with it very systematically. Uh, I, I was underestimating its impact, and uh, I was incorrect for that. But I was trying to measure it against people who were predicting 60 million people and 6 million dead. And that just wasn't going to happen. And so, you know, I knew we would take actions. And of course, my constant refrain was, listen to Fauci, listen to Fauci, listen to the CDC. They will make sure this doesn't happen. And their uh, concerted opinion was we should shut everything down. So that's what we do. That's all. Uh, You know, and it's it's hard to keep people sort of out of the panic. That's that's what I'm trying to do. Keep people from panicking. Right. And I'm just asking you as a person, you know, because I mean, you and I spoke the other day and you were like a great friend to me and concerned about me. And like you've always been incredibly good to to us as a show and to me as a person for you as a person and not even as Dr. Drew. Do you feel a lot of pressure that people are like constantly begging you to extrapolate this data and interpret it and like make a decision for like society? Does that put a lot of pressure on you? It, it, it does because I'm trying to hold a line that people get like angry with. It's weird to, to dare to say that we're going to do better than is predicted is somehow a, a prediction that makes people angry. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Which is weird. It's just positively weird. And and I do think in the next week or so we're going to see something about therapeutics and, you know, changing the way this becomes infectious because we reduce viral shedding and we're going to reduce the need for hospitalization. I mean, we're going to, you know, nobody innovates and responds better than the U.S. healthcare system. And that was what I based all of my predictions on that were wrong or, or optimistic. But I'm still optimistic because I know how my peers are. I know how we respond to things. And I know we will get this thing 
you know, kind of not necessarily under control immediately, but we, we will we will do a good job with this thing. It will not be anywhere near the the horrible predictions that I don't know if you saw them, but they were on the front page of the New York Times every day for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like while people live off of fear, and fear is incredibly entertaining because it totally. Uh, runs us you know what i mean it's well, but, but why get angry at optimistic outlooks i mean it's 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 a flu it's nasty i mean again just to sort of sort of regulate our response h1n1 killed 500,000 40 to 60 year olds it infected 1 billion people so when the reporters you know one of my bottoms was um bottoms i mean one of the things that upset me was i was uh, at your local fox station there in new york and i was doing an interview with somebody and somebody reporter was in italy going a staggering seven thousand people are sick and i thought shut up shut up because these numbers are going to get much huger and what are those numbers going to be called chatter how what are we going to how are we going to describe a million how are you going to describe that if seven thousand is staggering right and and just and then i would say remember 24 million flu sufferers 24 million those are the numbers that, that these viruses bring in and get your flu shot, by the way. Get your flu shot because we don't want flu because we're seeing flu and coronavirus, by the way, together. Imagine that. Right. If, I mean, like, I was lucky. My case was not severe. Obviously, I didn't need to be hospitalized. I uh, I had a high fever. I had a really sore throat. Um, I had terrible nightmares. Chris Cuomo is going on with the governor about how he's having these terrible nightmares. And, and I had yeah. uh, I had like the scariest nightmare I ever had. Um, what was it? There was I was in like an old creepy house with an old lady and like This is awesome. And the old lady like wanted to hurt me and in the nightmare I was fighting with the old lady, okay? Wow. And I was like wow. and I was like hurting this old woman, but she wasn't oh, no. feeling pain. It was just ter- and I woke up. Me and me and my wife were watching this The Tiger King and I went to mm-hmm. bed and I had this dream about hurting this old lady and I woke up and I went and I got scared and I went downstairs and I was like, Linda, I just had this terrifying dream about hurting an old lady and she was sure it was about the woman in the Tiger King. So was it, it was Carol Baskin? Yeah, yeah. She, he was, <laughs> she was sure Carol it was Carol Baskin, absolutely. But I was I was freaked out, you know? And um and, and how do you think nightmares play a part in this whole thing? Um, I know whenever I get uh, viral illnesses, I get nightmares. And so, oh yeah. And so, you know, your brain is infected as well, right? And so it's not functioning normally. And by the way, you are uncomfortable when you're sleeping. And that, you know, the brains are just sort of a representation of feeling states or feeling states are interoceptive states, you know, how your body's feeling. So it makes perfect sense that you would have awful images, right? Because you're feeling awful. And that's the so, fe- that's the is that fever dreams is that how fever dreams work or is that different? It's any, anything anything like that anything where you're not look you can have orthopedic problems and wake up dreaming that there's a dog biting your leg or your knee or your shoulder right. you know what I mean or an old lady twisting your arm right I mean, that's just how our brain works an interpretation but it's especially right yeah but especially when when the virus is everywhere it's you know, your brain's not working right and as you get older you get what's called encephalopathy which is your brain really doesn't work right and you get confused. Yeah, yeah, my that, then, yeah, my dad, my dad is close to encephalopathy. Or how could I say this right? Encephalopathy. Say it right. Encephalopathy. Yep. Is he is he sick now? No, my, I'm making fun of him. He's very well. well He's, he has a great sure. regiment of jigsaw puzzles and uh, FaceTime calls with his grandkids. He's doing good. I'm just making fun of him. 
Um, How did he avoid it? How did he avoid this thing? Well, so far, he's stayed at home. He takes the stairs. He uses a mm. plastic bag on the banisters and the stairs. He Good wears he wears a mask. I mean, my dad Good. has got it together. Uh, knock Good. on wood, because we need to protect my father. He makes the show I'm, much I'm a, better. I'm a mask advocate. And if, and if you want to know, this is why this is a fluid situation. And people have to get off of this idea that if you say something one day, you're held accountable for it two weeks later. I originally was saying masks, no bueno. I was angry when people would wear masks out in public because the masks were needed by the first responders and healthcare providers. Now, if you were sick and you want to wear a mask, well, okay, but don't go out anyway. Why are you even going out? So now I've adjusted that, that we are becoming replete with gear, that everybody should wear a mask. I think it's a good idea. And not just a mask, but bandanas, anything over your mask, anything to keep your hands away from your face, frankly, right. is something that's going to help. So. Now, now, since our show is about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and you're one of the, you know, you've treated addic- addicts your whole life or your whole career, you've treated addiction, and you're obviously an expert at it, um, what kind of stuff would you recommend to addicts out there? Like, addicts who are like, really hard yeah who are still in addiction like you yeah. give them the same advice as you'd give everybody else Oof. if you're in your disease um now is not the time to do this on your own for sure and that i guess that's the general headline for everybody with addiction at whatever stage um and if you are trying to stop uh, you know, you got to remember that withdrawal is kind of a dangerous thing and you may want to go somewhere to do that. So you don't end up in the hospital, like have that managed in some way and finding doctors that will do that right now is probably not the easiest thing in the world, though. The American society of addiction medicine is, you know, uh, providing all kinds of guidance about doing this with tele, you can even do it with telemedicine. So, you know, reach out again, again, these are general rules for everybody, whatever stage of addiction you're at, reach out. Uh, get some guidance. And if the group I worry about, the two groups I worry about most are the people early in recovery, you know, that first six months when you're so fragile and everything is now upside down and you don't have the structure of meeting with people all day long as you'd like to meet with, that's a problem. That's the group I worry about most. The second group I worry about is the long-term sober patients that have a certain, you know, you have your 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 pattern, your your, you know, your coffee group, right. your routine, and that, and then and they, they, what scares me the most about that group is they convince themselves, oh, I'll be all right, I'll fine, I'll, I'll start up again in three months. No, 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 you gotta you gotta establish a new pattern right away. I was because, at, uh, I was at the supermarket last night. Um, and there was a like an 85-year-old guy that I know from AA, and I said, are you going to meetings? And he said, no. They're, they're still doing meetings on the beach out here. He said, no, I'm not going to go. They're too close together. I don't want to get sick. And I said, well, are you going to the, the online meetings? And he said, no. And I said, well, what are you doing? And he said, well, I have 40 years. I think I'm going to be okay. He said exactly no, what no, you see, said. That's a- yeah, that's the group that scares me because I've seen that people tell themselves that over the years, and it never, it never is the case. Um, and their online meetings are everywhere, and they look pretty good to me. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, one of the things that's coming out of this whole ordeal is our ability to use the, you know, the Zoom and the internet and the telephone and telemedicine and all this stuff is is moving forward rapidly in in ways that are impressive. And one of those things is the online meetings. I mean, people are really doing that in a very disciplined way and they're really reaching out to one another and that's a good thing i mean it's in, in a weird way 
it's a, it lowers the barrier, right? To some people who are like, ah, I don't want to go, or, you know, they, they just complain, you know, whatever the usual complaints are about people going to meetings. Now the barrier is not so high. Just, just click in just people and people are reaching out to, which I like. Totally. And it's also just like life finding a way, you know, people adapting yeah. to making uh, connection work. And, yeah. um, and what are you guys doing? Like, I'm sure you guys are, are pretty bound to the home and, uh, what are you guys doing yeah. now to go crazy? We're doing a daily stream where I just go online and just make sense of the data for people to try to calm everything down because uh, because the, the the press is just so out of control. It's just so out of control. So it's called a dose of Dr. Drew, and we just you can get it at my website drdrew.com, and we just go on every day and just talk about ask answer people's questions and try to keep everybody positive. Uh, I really think that's important, and uh, you know. It's, if that's the if that's an inappropriate uh, stance, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Well, I think I think you find musicians, you know, posting them doing tunes on the internet. You see, um, you know, painters painting. You see creative people being creative, and I think it's also mm-hmm. just good for you that you do this every day to keep your brain occupied, to keep you active. Oh. You know, it's oh yeah, I, mean, I feel I feel like I'm broadcasting from the French underground. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm like I've got this like a resistance movement. Like okay, we're gonna get this thing. Totally. You know, hang in there. Let's stay unified. That's what it really feels like. I mean, it's an opportunity for all of us to you know, I mean, to be the best we can be. I mean, it sounds corny, but like uh, you know, our audience, like the Dopey Nation, is doing all these Zoom meetings and and they're sticking mm. together and. You know, we are all in the resistance of, of living, you know, trying to survive and trying to, like, not go crazy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, but the, the Nazis aren't the enemy. It's the virus is the enemy. We're going to, you know, fight the you know fight. The fight. And uh, I think we're going to be fine. I think I think there's going to be a downturn soon, I hope, uh, if we get some therapeutics that really make a difference here. I, I think the outlook will start to brighten. When would, we'll you, see. When would you imagine, like, getting back to some sort of version of normal? I'm trying not to make predictions because it's it's, totally. it's a nefarious, you know. But uh, just sooner than than the the pessimistic predictions, let's put it that way. Right on. Why? And uh, and 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 I think that, again the therapeutics. I, I know how the medical system works in America. We just come up with stuff, and if we come up with stuff that reduces hospitalization, reduces complications, and then reduces infectivity, well, then we're in great shape. Then we're good. What are therapeutics? Can you break that down for me? Well, we got the hydroxychloroquine, which there's a lot of enthusiasm about, and some people are even advocating using that for prophylaxis to prevent infection. And then there are multiple antiviral trials out there that I've heard some very, very positive anecdotal reports. And so my my suspicion is that we will have um, you know multiple antivirals, you know, much the way we do with HIV, sort of combination therapies with hydroxychloroquine, and and that will really that that should have some. We'll see that that I expecting some good outcomes from that all right well thank you so much for your time and your expertise and your goodwill and your optimism and they're also good things all right man good glad you're well boy that was uh you know describe my susan was wanting me to hear the symptoms again what was it like for you how when did it come on how did it come on how bad did it get for me it, it came on uh on friday the 13th of march it came on like a f- bad fever, and then it kind of felt like strep throat, like I couldn't swallow without a lot of pain. Then um, every day I kind of wanted to feel a little bit better, but by the end of the day the fever came back. But um, yeah. but as somebody that like kicked heroin and as somebody that like 
kick benzos, it was never like that. It was never so acute as like crazy withdrawal. And and I also used to get strep throat all the time, and it wasn't as bad as that. I had a mild case. I was very lucky, you know. No cough. No, I had no cough. But my but Linda, my wife, has a a bit of a cough, and her lungs are bothering her. But uh, but she's doing okay too. Um, You know, it could have gone so much worse. So I feel very fortunate. You know. Oh my God! I, I'm jealous. I mean, I'd like to be have had it and be immune now. Wouldn't that be nice? Am I immune? I mean, What's the deal with that? Yeah, you should. I wouldn't test yourself, but you should be. And and people are talking about um, recurrences and the and the and reinfections. They say it appears that those aren't reinfections. It appears those are recurrences. So you have to really kind of take care of yourself for the next couple of weeks. Right. They could it could just roar back on me, kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, I think that's good good advice, and uh, and stay out of the deli, right, doctor? Stay out of the right. deli. Yes, that's right. All right. Well, uh, you could be you could be infectious for another week or so. Who knows? And it's hard to tell. So, err on the side of caution, right? Yes, yes, please. All right. Well, I appreciate it, man, and um, and thank you so much for for coming on. We always love to hear from Anytime. you. Anytime. Right good on. To talk to you. You too, man. All right. Speak to you soon. Yeah. Stay safe. All right, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Dr. Drew, he always he always makes dopey seem much more important, don't you think? He's very he has a very calming effect. Well, I mean, listen, no, I, I find that I, you know the first doctor in the ER told me I didn't have it. The Department of Health tells me that my lack of sense of smell and sense of taste is still a symptom. Your doctor says it's not. Dr. Drew says it's not. We cannot advise you, I mean, like, not like you're going to go to Dopey for fucking medical advice, Mm -hmm. but, you know, do your research, talk to your doctor, get several opinions before you make a decision or decide there's a fact, right? I did a little dream analysis. Please sit closer to the mic. I will fucking lose my fucking mind. Um... When you were describing your yes, dream yes. about the old woman, yes. I did a little dream analysis. Would, yes. you, would you like to hear it? Please. Why are you talking like that? I don't know. Um, the old woman in your dream, yes, I think, was the coronavirus. So the coronavirus wanted to fight with me, and I was attacking it but not hurting it. You couldn't. Look who's here. I think for the first time, <laughs> we are going to have Nora jump on the show. What? Nora, welcome to the show. What? Talk to the microphone. Say hi. Hi. Talk to the microphone. What's wrong with you? Hi. Tell everybody what you've been doing for the last hour. Do you think you have the coronavirus? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing for the last hour? You were on what? What was it um, called? Roblox for a little while. Talking and- to the microphone. I am. All the way down. Fine. I was on Roblox for a little while and Messenger for a little Messenger while. Messenger kids. This is what the world has come to. Ten-year-olds are on freaking Facebook Messenger. Well, that's how they get to be connected to their friends. Nora, so as a ten-year-old, <laughs> oh, no. sit, on, sit on mommy's lap for a second. This is, this is the only time you're ever going to be on this show. So how as a ten, Hopefully. As a ten-year-old... <laughs> Uh, who's living in the time of the coronavirus, how would you describe your experience? Yeah, what's it like to be a kid um, living through this? Because this is history for, for all of us. Um, is the worst part uh, FaceTiming with Grandpa Alan? Yes. 
<laughs> no, he listens to this show, Nora. <laughs> grandma, just, li- grandma listens. Grandma listens too. I'm he, knows, he, he, he knows I'm joking. I'm kidding. Yes. So um, wait, let me ask Nora. So, but seriously, it's really bad all this FaceTiming with Grandpa Alan, right? With everybody, because <laughs> like I'm trying to do work, and you're just like, Nora, Grandpa Alan's calling. <laughs> We're in the car. My mom's like. Grandma. Grandma's calling. It's like nonstop. So. So let me ask. And they you ask a question. you lots of stupid questions, right? Yes, they do. Okay. Can I, can I speak? Nora, can you let the audience know what it's like to be a ten-year-old kid living through the coronavirus? Like, what is the experience like for you? Um, it feels like weird. Is I mean, it, like it doesn't. Vacation? Not really. It's like it feels like. A summer vacation, except for homeschool, but you're doing homeschooling too. It's weird, and it's not summer, and, and it's not fun. No, <laughs> exactly. And Good. you can't see friends, which is really hard. Um, what else? Um, What's the hardest bit? Of, the hardest part of dealing with this situation? Um, the, prob- que- the question is: Is it Grandpa Allen or is it Susan? Which is the hardest part of the coronavirus? Susan, obviously, Susan. <laughs> Nobody answer. What's been? Um, my friends. It's just hard not seeing them. Uh, uh, and my teacher gives a lot of work, and I feel like it's like worse now than he all normally gives us. So I don't know. Wasn't it really fun doing homework together today, though? No. Yes, it was. (laughs) It was really fun for me. It was the best part of my whole day. You only like that one question. Which Do you remember one? what it was? I don't remember. Was right? it about well, a brown pony and a black pony? No, it was with the no. black cat, Blackie. Or the Target question you liked. Yeah. <laughs> and you liked the one about Chris, right? The Which one, one? The question that was like the one that Chris used to make stories about, you said? Oh, yeah. There was a question about Helga. And that was what Chris... It was the fake name that Chris gave his girlfriend. <laughs> he, he, her real name was something else, but he called her Helga. So, yes. Well, that's great that you guys talked about that during her homework. No, I just oh, took we, a, we really, didn't talk about it. He just took a photo and he was like, "He, I like this question. I'm like, why? And he was just like, well, Chris used to tell stories about someone named Hilga. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Nora, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Anything else you'd like to say to the Dopey Nation? No. Nothing? So I don't know. No. You've been wanting to say that forever. I'm going to go now. Okay. Nora, you were a, a pleasure. Where are you going? Well, you better find a room that you can Here, I'm pausing it. I'm pausing it. I don't know if I feel good about having Nora on the show. I think it's fine. Listen, Um, we're quarantined into this freaking house. We have not left this house. I know, in like three weeks. Three weeks, so... It's madness. You know, I don't... But she's done a very good job. I think we've all done the best we could do. I heard there's a, like... I don't know if it was a joke, but I heard divorces where the divorce rate is growing. Um... So just to keep chatting for a bit about what Dr. Drew was saying, because mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting how his mission right now is Can to try to... Can you please sit closer to the mic? I, I, it's like you're going to listen and you're going to hear you're too quiet and you go, Dave, I really sound really quiet. It's like you got to sit close to the mic or you're going to sound quiet. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Drew's mission in a lot of ways is to try to stay optimistic. Um and to quell fear, so right, and it sounds like he's gotten even some from fl- flack for that. Um, Lots of criticism, but uh, I don't know. It's it's very tricky, and so what I wanted to kind of piggyback off that with is a personal story I was telling Dave about before we went on the air was that 
there's all these different um, local fa- Facebook groups, and there's a Sayville um, Facebook group going on, and people are very outraged that there was a group of, let's say, seven cars that were sitting in a circle down by the water. The trunks were facing each other, and in the back of each trunk were a couple kids. Not kids, like 18 to 22 year olds and they were chatting and they were just sitting down by the water just trying to like live their life and you know these are young people who like maybe aren't able to go to college can't go back to college aren't going to be able to it's going to affect their graduation it's going to affect going away to school they're i mean they're older teens with cars they're not bound to their houses like our kids are and they have some freedom and i see them by the water all the time you know sitting really close to each other right um so Somebody took a picture of these young people's little circle of cars and put it online on this Facebook group. And there was, when I went on, there was about 300 comments, and they were pretty outrageous as far as angry, calling them names, telling them to call the, you know, that they should go to jail, calling the cops, um, just what have you. I mean, it was just a lot of anger, which, you know, was meaning a lot of fear, right? People are very, very scared. And um, also feeling like the parents should make them stay home where other people are saying they're 20, they're 19, 20. You know, some of these young people have their own cars they bought with a job. Like you can't necessarily tell them that they have to stay home. The moral of the story is um, it's very hard to know what to do, um, how much we should be restricting everybody else's behavior. Should we just be focusing on our own? Should we be mandating, you know, should we be calling the cops when we see people congregating? Uh, that leads into a story about my brother. He works at a Trader Joe's in the city. Or Sam. Remember Sam? Sam had his neighbors have a party and he wanted to call the cops or intervene. My and- bro- my, just but quick, my brother works at Trader Joe's in Manhattan, the biggest Trader Joe's in Manhattan, and I'm always checking with him. He's... A professional actor, like a very successful actor, but actors don't have jobs anymore. Don't tell anybody, but her brother's Nicolas Cage. um, Anyway, he... He's working at Trader Joe's Every day, check in with him, and I say, how was work? And the last time I checked in with him, he said, "Um, the cops had to come to tell people that they're not social distancing from one another, and they, they had to actually get involved in... What was going on in the supermarket? So it's just... Which is freaking people out because it's the next step before martial law. And this kind of stuff, I mean, I am not particularly scared about it. Like, I I have some sort of monochrome of faith in, in the world, but I know a lot of people feel like this is the beginning of taking our rights away. You know, they're really scared of yeah, that. Yeah, and I... So, how... Yeah, that's that's a huge debate, right? I mean, I try not to get too involved in all of that right now because I just want to stay healthy and focused on what we need to do. But I, it's still a very scary. Um, like I get Drew was saying that it's you know trying it's explaining that the flu is so much worse um, right now, um, but because this illness is so new and contagious. And contagious, um, you know. I, 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 do I want do I want the police to come in and tell me, you know, like to say, like, you know, show me, tell me where you're going. Right. You no, don't. I can't even. I can't even fathom that. Do I think it's okay that there's, you know, 
10 young people sitting in a semicircle down by the water hanging out drinking and drinking and smoking weed which then you know would mean i know i would be like jumping into like the cute boy's car across the way if if you know after about two hours of being like corona what like i wouldn't even you know what i mean like they're young they're like diabolical (laughs) i just know that like but you know what i'm saying well we're like two we're two middle-aged middle-class suburbanites you know, saying, how can you guys hang out? I mean, if it was 10 years ago, I'd be copping dope. Dave, you thought you had the coronavirus and you tried to be asleep with me. I think I did sleep with you. Oh, you did. <laughs> and what was the first thing you said after we were relaxing in the afterglow? What did I say? You said, oh, shit, because I definitely have the coronavirus. Like, basically saying, uh, no, he goes, I think I gave you the coronavirus instead of, like... I, I think I got, got you pregnant, pregnant or I gave you, a, like, and HIV. I I'm like, I did give you the coronavirus. But... So don't, you know, you're not so, you know, uh, above. No, my point is that it's easy anyone. for us to say, you know, how can you guys do this when in fact, you We're know, doing the same shit. Basically. And I think it's, it's like, it's scary. Uh, we just want people to, you know. I, but what I did appreciate about Drew, Dr. Drew, sorry, because I, I really, really like him. Okay, you got to call him Dr. Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew, what yeah. I, I really, really like him as, as, as. He's incredibly humble, and he's a human, and he's a doctor, and this is new. And he had his one feeling about the masks initially, um, and now is looking at it and saying, yeah, you know, wear a freaking scarf. Cover your face any way you can. Don't keep the masks that doctors and nurses could be using. You know, give it to them. But cover your face, because clearly that's going to Limit you from touching your face. Some particles from getting up up your nose or limit you right as a as a as a guide to not touch your face. My and- favorite thing about him is number 1 that he's so accessible to us. Like it makes me feel good. Number 1. You know, it makes me personally yeah. feel important. Right. Number 2 that he's able to admit that he made a mistake. You know what I mean? Like I think But that- did he even make a mistake? He was just speaking from that like this thing like we talked about from 3 t- two and a half, three weeks ago when you first started having symptoms. And I was saying on your podcast that you're a baby and shut up you and, always say that and it's a tooth infection. And to, and to then whatever. Oh, See, oh, maybe, we, you, maybe you should take a page from Dr. Drew's oh, book and say, I made a mistake. <laughs> you were obviously very sick. To a week and a half later, we're like Cuomo's saying like we're running out of ventilators. Like it's, that, it's happening that quick that I don't fault Dr. Drew. You should fault yourself and you should admit that you were insensitive and unkind and say, I'm so sorry. You were so sick, Dave. And you're, you made Dave, such I'm a sorry, but it's what's that story? The boy who cries wolf. It's, what about it? That's you. What do you mean? Leaning. It's like you, you, you always would complain and cry and and about about these not real how sicknesses. How about when I played? When I played. So now that you're really sick, I, no one believes you. How about when I played basketball with Nora in my slippers and I sprained my ankle and I could yeah, barely walk? I mean, the amount of injuries. <laughs> I can't on top of, and then the arm, the burn, and it's just my jaw when I slam my head. Uh, it's not it's, easy. Can, does, can the dopey nation even imagine the hell I've been in quarantined here with this? They would love to be quarantined with me. And then the no taste and smell. It's it's just like it's just endless. Hasn't it been a really good time for you? <laughs> Have you enjoyed your time? What's your favorite thing about uh, the coronavirus? Oh, except when I was having my own problems, like I couldn't breathe and chest pain. Did I call you a baby? Um, the no, answer is no, no. You didn't. You didn't necessarily offer to help and let me rest like I let you rest, but... 
<laughs> give me, give me a break. Mm-hmm. Give look me at, a break. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite thing about the coronavirus? What have you enjoyed the most? Dave. Besides the sex, what else have you enjoyed about the, the corona sex? What else have you enjoyed about the coronavirus? Um, I, I this is gonna sound mean, but I didn't. I mean, I, nothing. Nothing. No. What about the Tiger King? Tiger King, I thought was going to be. I mean, I'm a documentary junkie. Like, I have seen every documentary there is. The Tiger King was obviously really freaking good. It was overrated. I, I was expecting to be blown away. Um, that said, I definitely it's definitely stuck with me, and I've been thinking about it. And that's always a sign of a good doc. Did is I that mention you? that we got a voicemail from Carol Baskin? Do you want to hear it? <gasps> Stop. Do you want to hear it? I would love to hear it. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. This is Carol with Big Cat Rescue. I just want to give you an update on some of our beautiful animals here at Big Cat Rescue. Fluffy and Pumpkin are doing much better. Pumpkin still has a little diarrhea, but his stools are firming up every day. So thanks for those thoughts and prayers. Misty, our albino serval, is settling in nicely, and we'll be releasing her into the larger serval pen any day now. In other news... We want to send a special shout-out to Dave from the Dopey Podcast for sending us two dozen Dopey Podcast t-shirts. We've been dressing up some of our Jaguars in them, and they sure look cute. Also, for those of you wondering if I killed my husband and fed him to the tigers, I don't know. Did I? Anyway, this has been Carol from Big Cat Rescue. Meow, meow for now. You, I mean, how big are we that oh Carol is calling in? Oh, I'm so glad Misty's diary is <laughs> cleared up. Do you think she killed yeah, her me husband? Out for now. Oh boy. Um, I didn't even think the Tiger King was that fucking good. To be honest with you, I, I, I mean, I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty incredible. That it, story is like a documentary things, filmmaker's dream. These are the things that I. Number one thing I like about it is Joe. Like I love Joe. He's so charismatic. He is a showman. He is incredibly likable. And right. I also he's love... He's very fragile. I love wildlife. He's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I love wildlife. I love seeing... I mean, the tigers and the lions and but that the was, ligers. I mean, in the end, but they were horribly abused, so I found that hard to be to watch. It was very, very... It's horrible you to see. You love ligers? Yeah, I've always loved ligers. You, you don't love ligers? I mean, the I don't, combination I don't know of a tiger, it's like a hybrid. It's a very exciting thing. I like orange pineapple juice too. Okay. I like combinations. I mix cereals together when I eat cereals. Okay. I'm right. into that stuff. Okay. Um, I really thought we were going to find out that Joe was on drugs though. I think Joe used the drugs to keep the hotties, to keep the men. To keep the men. Yes. I was on a, a group of my girlfriends were talking about um, the, guy, the guy without the teeth. No, Travis. Not the one that killed. The guy without the teeth. John. John. I found, I, John was actually my favorite. I really liked John. Um, he was a big snitch. But he I was didn't so, like him. But just his whole. I, I thought He's he. He's so disgusting. I, I know, but I found him to be very. Like, he'd always Someone be like, in the Dopey Nation wants us to try to get him I on would show. love it. But somebody posted this funny meme. I, my memes are so whatever. It shows you like where we're all at in our heads right now. Yeah. Like, but they showed a meme of like his teeth, like the separation in his teeth, and they were trying to use his teeth to teach about social distancing. I, saw that, yes. I thought that was funny. That was funny. But then later on, and then I made a comment to this group, my group of my friends, that that what one of the things I found the most challenging was why wouldn't Joe? Because he gave John so much. So many things, cars. Why wouldn't he put teeth in his mouth? 
Right. Like, wouldn't that be like a a great question? Right. So what one of the friends said was that then he would leave him because then he wouldn't be. He keeps him as a prisoner. And he's all if he was using a lot of meth, his teeth would probably just. Well, I guess if you had fake teeth, it wouldn't. Does meth affect fake teeth? I don't know. I don't know. That's but a whole other question. He has teeth now. Did you see the picture? Right. So, so this is the weird thing. Someone showed, sent me a picture because they knew. I thought I think he's like a good-looking guy. So, somebody sent me a picture of him with teeth. And you want to know the weirdest thing? You weren't attracted. I to wasn't him. attracted to him anymore. Well, it shows what the what? fuck is wrong with That's me. That's how I got you. You know, <laughs> because you like you like the. Broken. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, he's not attracted. Like, it just made, it messed with my head. You remember when we first started uh, dating, and I had that. The tooth, I had my front tooth was like half broken. Yeah, it was so hot. You like that? I did. Yeah, there you go. Um, (laughs) All right, well, in other news, somebody else, a very famous person, well, he's not very famous, but a kind of famous person who broke all of his teeth and now has new teeth uh, is a skateboarder named Andy Roy. He was uh, on the show a couple times, a prodigious drug addict uh, who relapsed, and he turned up... Uh, back in treatment, and he's, I think, got almost six months clean, and he called in. So we're going to play that call. You interested to hear how Andy's doing? Yes. So uh, as we continued into week three of coronavirus mania, we were fortunate enough to get old friend of the show, the great Andy Roy, on the telephone. Andy, how you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing Fantastic. Good. I'm happy for you. When we when last we spoke, you're you're doing the do. What what happened? What was the story? Dude, dude, you know what? I stopped. I thought I had it. You know, you ride that pink cloud. Yeah. And uh, I thought I had it, dude. And I stopped going to meetings. Stopped talking to my sponsor. And I drifted away from the pack, like Steve-O talk, told me. You drift away from the pack, and you get hunted, and you get eaten when you stray away from that pack. Right. And that's what I did, man. I just, like, I thought I had it, dude, and I didn't. You know what I mean? And I got eaten up alive. It just happened. It just snatched me up. So break it down. You know? Break it down. Like, when you're, when you're totally entrenched in program and totally entrenched with the pack kind of thing to the relapse, like, what, what did it look like? What was the story? Dude, like what do you mean? Like going like into the relapse? Like yeah, like dude, I, like like where did it start? Like like when? Because I when we spoke in the beginning, you were so positive and so about uh, recovery. Like when did your brain start to change, or did you feel like you had to be positive on the outside, even though on the inside you weren't? Like what was it? No, like dude, I'm a I'm a positive person. It's just like dude, I just straight away I thought I had it. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. just so used to being doing my own thing and like, uh, you know, structure is a little hard for me. It is a little hard. And I had a, a crazy sponsor and, uh, I, I don't know what it was. I just like, honestly, dude, I just thought I could do it on my own. I just thought I could do this. You know what I mean? And I, I realized from this relapse, you know, like, dude, I need structure. I do need those, those, uh, those sober friends, those peers. Like I thought I could hang out with old friends that weren't in the program and, uh, do it. You know what I mean? I just thought I was tough enough on the inside. And cause I'm new to this recovery, dude, this is my third treatment ever. I did one in the nineties when I was in my twenties, I lasted two weeks. I split. Then I went to the one where I left and I told you about that one. 
So this is my my actual second one, you know, that I'm really dipping into and trying. And also, I mean, just just to be clear, you you were on drugs, you know, more than half your life. You like you you uh, were a totally successful. It's still a totally successful professional skateboarder, a TV star, fucking podcaster, all those things. And you were used to living pretty wild. I mean, I I don't there's no judgment whatsoever. I did drugs forever. uh, And I'm sure a lot of our audience is still doing drugs. Nobody is judging at all i just think the story of going from entrenched in recovery to relapse is worth it for anybody to hear you know you you nailed it dave like dude you nailed it because you know what i mean like i i, I ate myself up i felt like i let everybody down uh i was ashamed guilty embarrassed and you know what like the you know i, I only had a short run but dude i lost a, a girlfriend of six years you know what I mean? From lying, uh, just living a double life, you know, like out of the six years I was sober, like five, six, you know, five months out of it. Right. The whole time I, out of the six years. So she left, you know what I mean? So like, I, I from what I got here at this program from the, these counselors, a therapy, uh, the therapist, uh, dude, like something that you, you know, that's so awful from a relapse that you feel like, like nothing could get worse like that worst car wreck, if you could get out of that car wreck and crawl and get back on your feet, dude, there's something good to get out of it. You know what I mean? Totally. Like I, I was eating up, like losing my ex. She was my best friend. She like, we went everywhere together. She, she, she called me three days in detox. She moved on, got a new dude, but you know what? I need to focus on myself. I need to take care of myself before I could be in any relationship. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, and I then was- I got a bit, Go ahead. I, I was struggling in my story for like years trying to get my ex back. And the, and the only way that I actually got her back is when I realized that it didn't even matter, that the only thing that mattered was how I was living, you know, which is kind of what you're saying right now. I had, I had a very mm-hmm. similar experience. Yes. You know, and it, it was a, a, a bad split up, but you know what? Like everything's meant to be, you know what I mean? Like, uh, at first I was very like, uh, hateful towards her, but like, I, I prayed the other night for it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want her to be happy. It's just time for me to move on and do something different. She she drinks a little bit and does her thing. I want to do something different. I need to be on my path to what I want to do. I'm on a mission to stay sober and, and clean and sober. So, like, I, I wish her the best, but, like, I'm on a new journey. Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blast off and do something else. You know what I mean? I don't, and, doubt, uh, I don't doubt that. Would you tell us the relapse story? Yes. So, like, I just ran into some of my old hero skateboard friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, they're heroes of mine that I looked up to, you know what I mean? And they, 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 uh, they, they, they party, and uh, my, my, uh, my, uh, my ex, whatever, brought me over to this house, like, where we would skate a pool in the backyard, and, and he used drugs. And he would hit me up all the time, like, hey, I got heroin, I got speed. And I would turn it down for months. And then finally, when I, once I finished my IOP and then they stopped testing me, I thought I, I could do it. You know what I mean? Just do it once, just that one time. And then once I do it that once time, I'm off for running and gunning. You know what I mean? And it was off to the races. So who was the guy then? It was just the guy that, like, uh, he, he lived at the spot. He wasn't, like, my hero, but I ran into some other friends. But before that, this was the guy that was in the backyard that owned the pool. And... Uh, Dude, I just started smoking the heroin and speed. And then at the end of it, dude, I ran into PCP and I started smoking PCP. Did you try to go back? Did you try to go back to work? 
uh, driving the bus I, afterward. I was I was working there. Right. I was picking up drugs in a druggy buggy van. It was like, dude, I just went for it. You know what I mean? Like it just got bad really quick. You know, and dude, it, it just like uh, it just snatched me up, and then I started losing weight, the color of my skin. Then my my ex was like catching on. I was denying it. I'm I'm faking pee test because then she was like letting them know and then i would get around the p-test you know and and uh so dude, she, she she brought you over to the house you got weak you used and then the second you used you knew you had to keep using and then you tried to get out of it you tried to deny it that's basically what deny it right. and then like test them and then i was pals you know like faking the p-test and then uh and then someone snitched on me and told her, and then I was caught, and then it was over. It all went downhill. She had called Ron, the guy that from New Origins, where I'm at today. He hit me up. I didn't answer the first phone call. Second one, I answered, and then my buddy Jake gave me a ride here, and I checked myself in, you know? And, like, I went through our, our, uh, detox, eight days of detox. It wasn't that bad because I was on a short little run. Right. And then I went, and then I went to RTC, same place. I was locked down for 30 days, no phone, and then I got moved to phase one where I'm at right now where you get your phone back and uh, you do groups from uh, 8 to 12, and then then you get a break, and then you go to a meeting, and then from 6 to 9 at night, you do groups, right. Monday through uh, Friday, and then we got the weekends off. How long was the run? It was just like... It was like four or five months. Right. And how deep did it yeah. get? It got, did, you, did, you, did you go back to shooting? Were you just smoking the whole time? No, I have no veins. I'm shot out. So <laughs> I just smoked it and, uh, and then smoking speed. And then I got in. I started dipping that cigarette into that, that, that PCP, man. And uh, that's where I just like started losing it. You know what I mean? Like, I never. I never. That's like the one thing I never did. What was the PCP like? Oh, dude. It was like. I was floating onto the moon, man. Like it was just, I was always scared of it and it was always on my bucket list, but I was always scared, but I was so out of it from this, the heroin speed. I was just like, I ran into it and I'm like, I seen dude take some hits and I'm like, all right, he ain't flipping cars. He's not like going through uh, the, the, the wall, punching the wall or nothing. Like, yeah. all right, I took it and dude, I just like, all right, this ain't that bad. And then. You know, I was smoking that, PCP. And at the end of the run, were you like, oh, God, I can't believe I'm back in this situation. I need to fix this. Like, how long did it take you to realize you want to get back sober? You want to turn the boat around kind of thing. Like, how long did it take you? As soon as I got strung out and I started losing weight, like after like a month, you know, I wanted to, but I was so ashamed, embarrassed. I felt like, like I, you know, like I said, I was so embarrassed and, uh, I just, I just did. I felt like I let everybody down. So I just couldn't come to terms of telling anybody. Cause I just felt like everyone was so proud of me for doing well, you know? And like, that's just how strong this addiction is. Totally. And your whole identity had become so positive and all about recovery. And it's like drug addicts use, you know what I mean? Like I relapsed a million times. Uh, the only shame is to, there is no shame. You know, it's, it's a tragedy when you can't get out of it, but when you can get out of it, it's like, you're a great example to the rest of us. And it's like, people make mistakes and, uh, don't be down on yourself. You know what I mean? Like there's no reason to be, the, the fact of the matter is you're, you're back up, you're calling into the show. You're, you're still a great example. It, nobody does this shit perfectly. Right. 
Yeah, you know, and th- thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I-, I wish my ex could have realized that. I don't think she just knows how gnarly this disease is and stuff. It's like, I didn't mean to lie to her. Like, I just didn't want to hurt, you know, it's like, I'm just trying not to hurt her feelings, which, you know, lying, is, it's worse, you know, but like, it's just like embarrassment, ashamed, guilty, you know, like, it's hard to admit that you're hurting someone close to you that you love, you know, and, uh, and yeah, just like, I didn't want to do it, but like that, eventually it's going to come to an end. Like anything, when you, when you play, you got to pay, you know what I mean? There's a price and it's going to be tenfold when it, when it comes to an end, you're going to hit that wall 10 times harder, you know? Yeah, of course. And like, whatever happens, as long as you live your life for the best for you, it's all going to work out the way, the best way. You know what I'm saying? Like, it will all work out the best way. And if it's with, what was her name? Callie? Was that her name? Hallie? Kriya. 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 I'm sorry. Terrible with names. No, no worries. Um, Yeah. Like, however that's supposed to go is going to be how it goes. The world, I mean, a sober and clean Andy Roy is an amazing thing for the world. Every time you came on the show, everybody just flipped out. Um, because you were, you were such a, like a crazy person, but you obviously were so like, uh, grateful and innocent and so like just a good dude and everybody picked up on it and everybody out there like that's struggling. The idea that you can, you can fuck it up, come back, fuck it up again and come back again is really the point of the whole story. Isn't it? Yes. And and what's really helping me this time, man, like, like I, 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 I'm here with my friend, Corey, he's like a personal trainer. So I met him in detox and, uh, like, dude, I've been eating healthy. Like I never have before. And, uh, I I'm like in the best shape I've ever been in, in the 48 years old, you know? And then my friend, I don't know, but I got to get him on your podcast. His name's scummy Colin Morrison. He's one of the original metal militia pro motorcycle OG legend. Right. And I got to get him on your show, but he relapsed the same time I did. And we we're in rehab together. So like, dude, we are like the band of brothers. We looked out for each other. You know what I mean? Like, dude, we just like got the whole group together. Uh, we like, and made this game up called mine. If you say M I N E, you go fishing. Right. And if you make the person say mine, M I N E, you have to do five pushups. And we got 12 junkies in rehab that are all fighting this addiction to do it and have fun together. You know what I mean? And we're all going through the sickness together and we all like bonded together like a band of brothers and have a good time and like look out for each other, you know? So like Colin, Corey, Dalton, like these guys, my, my roommate, Matt, like all these guys that are here, man, I couldn't do it without them. That's awesome, man. I, I think I've seen you guys do some crazy skateboarding with them too, right? Yeah, we we I've been skateboarding. I learned how to ride motorcycles, dude. We've been having so much fun. We've been tattooing on each other on the weekends. Like, dude, we we got mine tattooed on us. We, uh, you know, me and Colin. I tattooed mine on him. He tattooed mine on me. And like, dude, it's just like I, I, you can have so much fun being sober. And I haven't laughed this much, such pure laughter, so genuine than, than ever before. Even more than my last uh, last time I was in, in treatment, it's just mind blowing. Like I'm just in a really good space. I got a sponsor. Uh, I, I just completed my first step, step one, and uh, dude, I'm just keeping my head up and marching on. Right on. It sounds like you're in a much better place than now. Yeah, it's just I learned a lot from the last relapse. You know, like I thought I had it. You know, like, and I didn't. 
I straight away stopped going to meetings. Like I, I'm, I'm not going to stop going to meetings. I'm going I'm to do these steps. I'm going to sponsor someone when I finish these steps, you know, like I'm just going to stick with the program, check in with Steve-O, uh, you know, just all my friends that are sober and just keep that, that cement foundation of right. sobriety friends, you know, and, uh, I just got to keep in touch, keep plugged in, you know, stay in the program. Like, right. I need it. Right. I'm sicker than others, I think, and uh, <laughs> it's something that I need. I know what you mean, and I, I appreciate that. I, I need to grow up. I got a lot of character defects, you know, and uh, I got to work on that, you know. I, 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 if I want to do this and stay clean and sober, I got a lot of working to do. Oh, and I enrolled in school. Nice. What are you going to do? I enrolled in school. I'm going to be a counselor. Beautiful. How did it end with the Wavelengths guys? You still on good terms with those guys? I let him know I relapsed, and uh, he said, "That's that. Th- th- thank you for telling me. Go to a 30-day program. If you want to come back and, and work there, I could, but I'm staying here. I was going to stay here for 30 days, and now I'm staying here for like, it's a six-months-to-a-year program. So I'm staying here. I'm going to ride this one out. Stick it out, and then you'll have options. You know, the longer you stick it out, the better off you are, especially with this bullshit coronavirus. Stay put. Be safe. Right? Yes, absolutely. And I, I start school in June. That's a two-year school, you know, college, online. And uh, I never in my life thought I'd do something like that, Dave. Like, it's crazy. Like, I'm blown away right now. It's my perfect. mom's proud of me. I'm talking to my kid, my mom, I talk to twice a week, you know, and uh, I'm just doing stuff a lot different. You know, it's, it's, um, it's amazing. It's I'm, a- I'm very happy right now today. Well, I love to hear that. Um, you have any crazy story you want to finish out on or do you want to just uh, finish out on the positive note? Dude, I, I just, I just want people to know out there just from like, from this relapse, you know, like if, if, if you relapse and you're embarrassed or like, Whatever it is you're going through, man, you, you, you can get back up. And, you, you, you know, people in recovery will, will take you back. That's one good thing about this being a recovering addict, you know. People take you back and understand and will be there for you. Hopefully, yes. I always love to have you on the show. It's so good to hear you and hear you doing so well. All right. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate it. Anytime you want me back, dude, I got you 100%. I right. love you very much. I love you too. We're going to get you back sooner than you think. We'll do a check. All right. I'm down. Right on, Andy. Thanks, man. All right. All right. Be Bye-bye. easy. There you go. Dopey legend, Andy Roy. Fucking on the mission to stay clean and sober. Good. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, and I don't feel good about this, I, I haven't done an online meeting this week. I haven't. What are your thoughts about a Zoom style meeting? Like, how does that make you feel? The dopey Zoom meeting or the AA? No, just in, just 12 in, steps. Just in general, the idea of doing a meeting and that. Because and, Drew, Dr. Drew seems to think that that could be something that people would gravitate to because they can do it from the comforts of their own home. But I do wonder, for someone like you, do you feel like it's almost awkward? It is awkward. I did one, and it was very awkward. Because um, you haven't done any, and it's been, what, three weeks? I did one. Right. Um, so clearly you're it's not drawing you're drawing you in. Well also, I mean to be totally fair, when I wake up in the morning, I have the baby. Right. And then I have to do work for my job and and then I'm like doing it's like I it's hard, the, it is so hard for me to have an uninterrupted hour but that see, that's, isn't designated to work or family. I think that's a very good point to put out there. 
that wasn't mentioned yet is that as as cool as like Zoom is and like these meetings are, I mean, yes, so so good, so important. They they need to be in place, but that's not factoring in that that people are now quarantined home with like kids and work and and no privacy, and so it's very hard to get yourself a nice secluded hour to be in, in to be in an AA meeting that you're doing in your house, and you know you don't want your might, might not want your wife to hear or your kids to hear you share or what people are sharing. Definitely. So it's a it's a challenge. It's an interesting challenge that people are kind of facing. I'm not who a need night, support. I'm not a nighttime meeting person or in my. Because I go to bed early. I've always gone to bed early. But during this whole thing, I'm staying up to like 11 or 12. And our kids go to bed between 7 and Nora goes to bed at like 10. Yeah. I can make time. I could make time to do you a could. meeting at night. I mean, people can make time. What you're saying is people can make time if it's important to them. What I should I should be doing it. I, I had a long talk with my sponsor this week, and it was incredibly helpful Good. to me. Yeah, you and, needed uh, that. I mean, I'm I'm ready to start going to that beach meeting again. You know, I'll just. I mean, listen, distance. if you're on the beach and everybody sits, you know, six I mean, feet apart, that's going to be a very wide meeting, right? But that's fine. They, me- just, they, just, they definitely need a megaphone, and they can stand up, and no, everyone like, can hear them. They're loud Long Islanders, but the point is, like, I need to make more time for these things. Yeah, and what I'm hearing is that. Uh, the dopey Zoom thing is phenomenal. Yeah. I'm just like vain and weird, and I don't want to like. Also, Ray told me not to go. He said I'll, it'll fuck up the vibe if I go and whatever. Anyway, there's a well, woman. There's a million a Zoom AA meetings. No, I should just find. go to a twelve step meeting. There's a woman, a dopey nation regular named Annie from England. Annie Ellie. I'm sure you've seen her mm-hmm. post. She sent in a quick hello last week, and I forgot to play it, so I want to play it now. Okay. Okay. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dopey Nation. This is Annie Ellie calling in from Birmingham in the UK. Been on lockdown all week. Um, So, yeah, I thought I would call in and give you my quarantine update. So, Dopey Zoom is going strong. So, if you haven't already come, come along. Don't ask me the times. I have no idea. International time is not my thing. Um... And the Carleens came and did a UK, a US tag team in our little black country meeting uh, for N8, which was amazing and wonderful. So, yeah, uh, make sure you guys are reaching out because this is kind of tough. So, everyone, yes, yeah, stay strong and fucking toodles. Thank you, Annie. Love Thank to you, hear from Annie. Her. I love Annie's voice. Yeah, she's got a great accent. And um, Can you uh, imitate her saying... Hello, this is Annie Ellie toodles. from Birmingham. Fucking toodles. <laughs> um, That's good. Thank you. Uh, this is Dave Masculani wishing you all a very uh, happy Christmas. What's going on? That's, Ooh, nor- that's, that's Linda's terrible alarm. <laughs> I swear to God, in the fucking morning, that thing goes off and I dream. Listen, but who's getting up? I'm, I am, so zip a, it. I'm dreaming I'm in this spooky house and I'm in my dream and I'm like, why are those chimes in the house? Who has? I, I, I have a whole thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's fucking But then Linda's you go back alarm. to bed and I get up with the baby, so I don't really it's care. It's the first time that's ever happened in our relationship. Yeah, you don't complain about the alarm that wakes me up while you sleep. What alarm? Moving on. What, what, what alarm? That's my alarm. I remember about a month ago, there was a thread on Dopey Nation that accused me, Dave of Dopey, of being pussy whipped by you. Do you remember this thread? The great pussy whip thread of 2020? Yeah. And the truth is, I'm totally pussy whipped. Really? I do Ooh. whatever you say. 
Uh, I I didn't reveal last week that I had the fucking coronavirus because I'm so that's fucking. That's not a sign of being pussy whipped. That's well, a sign of being respectful. Well, I, I have I learned mean, the thing. I mean, Chris, what is what does pussy whipped mean? I'm exactly? not going down that path. I don't really think I'm pussy whipped. Okay, but when Chris and I started the show, there was only one rule of the show, which is we couldn't say anything that was going to upset you. Is that? But why is that? Because you'd make us take the show down, okay. and because I couldn't because. I do not have a good life if you're unhappy. That's why. Because <laughs> if you're not happy, I'm not happy. So would you like to speak about this? What an amazing partner you have that's so concerned for your happiness I mean, and I, well-being. Listen, I think that you're also very difficult. I, that's, I, I didn't ask you that. I right, asked you what about... I guess I imagine a pussy-whipped partner as someone who's like... oh. Yes, anything you say. You whatever, always say, I wish you would you, just agree with Yeah, exactly. I and that's what I think a pussy whipped partner does. And you don't do that. You wouldn't like it if I agreed with I do, I wouldn't like that. But you act like you would. I, I mean, <clears throat> I want you to have a backbone, but I do think there's certain things that you, you fight me or argue me on that's you shouldn't. And it would make things much easier if you just... Went along with it. So would you say I'm pussy whipped or not pussy whipped? I don't think you're pussy whipped at all. And what would you say pussy whipped means? I, I said that. I think it's a man or a woman. I guess, well, can a woman be pussy? I guess, of course, a woman can be pussy whipped. If she has a female partner? I don't yes. know. It doesn't matter. I'm with you. But <laughs> I imagine a pussy whipped partner as someone who goes, oh, yes, anything you want, anything you say. Oh, of course. Like, doesn't have a, a say, doesn't, right. you know, just does whatever the and other person wants. you don't feel like wants. I live like that? No, I, I really don't. Do you? No, I don't. Okay. I mean, I really don't. And there's, I actually think that there's times where you should just, like, go along with things and not complain or, or always have a, a two cents and just I, shut I'm, the hell up and go along with it. I have a lot of opinions. So, I, right. But, so I definitely, I couldn't have a partner who was... Pussy whipped. I don't. I think that would be very unattractive. I would. I would hate that. Um, that's why I got sort of irritated about that post, which is fine, like whatever. whatever. But there's a difference between being pussy whipped and a partner who is trying to, you know, keep his relationship intact, who had a long history of you know drug use and who's trying to just you know like, you know, make make some good calls and just you know just very normal ways. Um, so for some reason that, that, that person felt like you were, I guess it was big. I think he was really just referring to the episodes, the lost episodes and, and right, why would, why would, yeah, I, I didn't at all. I think I kind of knew what he meant. He was like, well, why wouldn't you be able to air whatever you wanted? Cause don't be so fun. And, but the truth is because you were, Airing stuff about our life no, without me knowing it not, in the very beginning. The truth was, and that, it's not okay. The truth was, you didn't know about the show. Number one, but number two, we weren't. And you talked about me and our and our kid and your father and your mother. and my whole family. But the real truth was, we weren't even back together at that point. And you were still using drugs. No, I wasn't. I was not using drugs. I was. No. I started the show clean. Okay. How could I do the show using drugs? I don't know. I feel like there wasn't a time during no. that that you had a little no. smoke some weed no. or no. Okay, all right. I don't know. Listen, again, I was out of the loop, how so I don't know. Dare you? Oh my! You guys should just see the way he just looked at me. Possibly do dopey doing drugs, 
and, and I I'm, didn't I didn't imply that. What I'm saying you is said I was. because I didn't know anything about it, like when it began or whatever. I, I don't really know your time. No, I was four months. I wasn't clean. I wasn't a part of it like I am now. Well, I was four months clean when we started the show. A and whole four months. I know it's pretty crazy. How dare I even question? Well, that you might have been using drugs. I was not using drugs, but the 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 interesting thing is that. The the my only purpose in life prior um, to Dopey was to get you back and to be with you and to be with Nora, and so like when I remember we were sitting at that diner and there was all sorts of emails coming in and I said I have to tell you something I've been doing this podcast and you're like what's a podcast and I told you what it was and you're like well I need to listen to it and uh, I remember showing you the Dopey logo on my phone in uh. Whatever Oconee. that, yeah, the Oconee Diner, and uh, <laughs> and like, and then you listened to it, and I was talking about your dad, and I was saying positive things, but you were like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, and then I made Chris take the whole show down, and then you decided that maybe the show was helping somebody, right. so we took out all those episodes, and the really fucked up thing is that Chris and I had decided eventually Dopey would be so big that we would charge people to hear the lost episodes. Mm-hmm. And then poor Chris dies, and, and we, they're actually lost. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, we, it's like you can't make shit, you can't predict shit like that. Yeah. I mean, some people could, but I could never have predicted what happened. And, um, you know, like Todd dying, uh, I hear from, because we're still in touch with his family and his yeah. friends, and his sister's like, she reaches out to me and she's like, could you believe how Todd would have reacted to this coronavirus? And, you know, I totally get it. It's like he would have loved it because finally everybody else would have been stuck at home like he was, <laughs> you know, and he would have been the dude fucking figuring out how to like cop during the coronavirus, how to get, you know, smoke. Well, he always loved sort of chaos Disasters. and disaster. Yeah. And he would have been like taking pictures and running around going, this is crazy. And yeah, he, and he would have, he, yeah. he rose to these occasions. I mean, Todd was at my house during uh, Hurricane Katrina. We were on my balcony uh, on Grand Street smoking weed when like the Con Ed plant blew up. Right. And we're standing there and we're, we're like, oh my God. You know, you could imagine it. Yeah, it I can't imagine it. It was like, it was <laughs> on, shit. Yeah, it was unbelievable, you know, and uh, there isn't a day, you know, I say this, I don't want to say it lately, but there isn't a day that I don't think about Todd and Chris. And and when people um, mention Chris, you know, like in passing, it just fucking devastates me because like what a crazy thing, you know, and 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 it's easy to not to say it's easy to forget um, when stuff like this is going on, but it, it puts everything in perspective. You well, know, you have just, all these there's people. There's so much, lo- right? There's just so much loss going on, and well, that's what Bob Forrest was saying. <clears throat> he was like, "Well, what about all the drug addicts that are dying every day? How come there isn't, uh, you know?" And it's like, it's you know, it's a pen, yeah. You know. It's apples and oranges, but it's 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 loss, and yeah. um, so it's worth remembering our friends. Definitely, and. We got a, a little voicemail, what's up, from one of your great admirers in the Dopey Nation. Mine? Yeah. I have admirers. Yeah, are you kidding me? You see them commenting on your cheekbones and your lips on Instagram? I didn't see that. Yes, you did. <laughs> I little, did. Woo! Um, <laughs> you've got beautiful cheekbones and lips. Now, here is a great friend of the show, B. Getz, coming to you live from Northern California. And he loves your mom, too. You ready? Yes. The thing I love about B. Getz, number one, he has theme music. 
But here we go. You ready? Greetings, Dopey Nation. This is your boy B. Getz, coming at you live and direct from the Ganja Farms in Northern California. I came down uh, from deep isolation uh, in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada Mountains uh, to produce an episode of my own podcast, but I'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to uh, shout out the Dopey Nation and big up our boy Dave, who has been just absolutely awesome of late with some tremendous programming. I'm thinking specifically, of course, of the John Joseph Instant Classic, but even more so, I absolutely loved the back-to-back episodes of Sue and then the return of Linda. Just really heart-filling, inspiring, beautiful stories, human stories that resonated so deeply on a very profound personal level. So I wanted to take this opportunity to thank Dave and Sue and Linda and, of course, Alan and Ray and everyone else out there in the Dopey Nation who's, uh, you know, doing what they can today to uh, live how they want to live. So stay safe and stay healthy and stay socially distant. Be cautious, be careful, love yourselves, look out for your peeps, call your parents and your grandparents. You know what it is. Um, And with that, I'll say sayonara from Northern California. We love you, Dave. We miss you, Chris. But me not say toodles. Begets. Oh my gosh, Dave was just in heaven, like dancing around. Begets would be one. He loves. He loves. Would be. He loves begets. Um. I just love that he's coming live and direct from the ganja fields in Northern California, blasting Beanie Man, coming on the show, mentioning that he does a podcast, but being so gracious no. to not mention his podcast, which is The Upful Life, if you're interested. I love that Begets goes, I thought he was about to say, say, stay strong, and he went, stay socially distant. Well, that was my go. favorite part. Begets, big dopey fan. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I hope you guys are okay. I hope- and I'm going to tell my mom that you. Loved Liked her. her or yeah, because she's like, Did people like me on the show? They did. I know, but she's you know, she's seventy five years old. She doesn't know what's going on. And people really seem to uh have liked her and, and, and people love that's the it's, real thing. It was very weird to listen to my mom on the show tell the story about like Us. me and Dave. Yeah, I mean it was very surreal and um it was very emotional and, and traumatic, but um such a good story for her to tell. And I think it was good for her, too. I think it was a therapeutic for her. So I think it, it was, was good, good all around. It was good for me and her. I think it's good for anybody who's in a 
sort of similar situation. You know what I'm saying? Well, here to hear the way it impacts the, you know, all the different parties involved. And also just like, and now that I get to, I mean, I love your mom, you know, and your mom loves me and like. She does. And I can look out for her and she looks out for us and it's like, it all worked out. So I feel great about that. Um, I also just feel great about the show when it is personal and when it is as real as it can be, which is one of the reasons why I love it when you come on also, because like, also like we're in fucking Corona land. Who else am I going to get to come on this (laughs) stupid show? Yeah, we we have not left this house in in almost three weeks, except for a very quick dash. And it's funny because everyone's saying that, like, we're quarantined, we're running in and out. Like, we, like, legitimately had the coronavirus, so we really, like, when when I would leave the house, because we have to also shop for my parents, because my dad has Alzheimer's, he can't leave the house, and my mom is 75 and is, like, needs to really watch her her health and her safety. So Dave and I, and then Dave was the one who was tested positive and was symptomatic, and so I was running out to the store to get, you know, milk or baby food or my parents... um, their toy, you know, their necessities. They needed wax paper and two percent milk. My mom needed flour to bake. Orange juice with no pulp. Yeah, my mom's list was like very annoying, but like literally, I had my mat. The Department of Health actually, because this is a weird thing, because Dave was one of the first cases in Suffolk County. Um, positive because it was so early on. The Department of Health dropped us off a care package, which is like so funny. Unheard of. Which is unheard of now that the the ambulances are saying that if somebody has a fatal cardiac arrest, they're not even bringing them to the hospital because the hospitals are so full. Like it's like so fucking crazy now. But um, I was a pioneer. They dropped us off a package of ten masks, not the like the ones you shouldn't have, like the little, you know, whatever mask, um, gloves, some glo- a package of gloves, a thermometer, which was amazing because we couldn't find a thermometer anywhere. And, uh, and what I really appreciate is they threw in some chocolate chip cookies because they were fans of the show. They, they did. They did not do that. And um, so when I leave my house, literally, I put on my mask, I put on my gloves, I put on my hand sanitizer, I grab my my mom and dad what they need, what we need, and I run in and out. Um, but it's wild, you know, and, and it, it, once my symptoms went away, I could take over doing that. But I swear to God, when I was in that supermarket, I was so careful and so scared of giving right. this to somebody. Right, because you know you have this virus. Well, so the you're... fucked up thing is the cashier is like this pimply 17-year-old kid, and he's like, he looks at me, and he he's goes... like, you look corona-y. No, he goes, are you from, do you live around here? I was like, really? I was like, yeah. That's so funny. And he goes, I don't think anyone around here has it, he said to me. Really? And I was like, did you tell him you did? I was like, no, I didn't tell you him. Went. You should have You should have told him you didn't went. I said, I said, <laughs> I have it, and now I want to kiss you. And I <laughs> took the mask off. No, I, I mean, he was like, he was very certain that nobody had it, and I had it. Right. You know, I was asymptomatic, Dopey Nation. I don't want to get hate mail about this thing. Yeah, it had, had been it had been a couple of weeks since he had symptoms, so he it had been a week th- at least, right. if not longer, ten days maybe. Right. But I don't um, want to go back to work. That's the other thing. Like well, the best thing about the coronavirus for me, there's a couple of great things. Number one, no fucking working. I love that. No working. I mean, well, you're working. What I mean is no in a working. Way. No coleslaw. No potato right. salad. Only Dominicans on the phone. 
casual, good times, no pastrami, no nothing. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, the baby is the double-edged sword. I That's cannot hot. stand the baby, but at the same time, me and the baby have grown very close. You can't stand the baby? Uh, the baby is... <laughs> it's just the end of the universe. Well, just she so is everybody the alpha knows, and the omega. She's almost two, and she is the strongest spirited. Like she's, <laughs> we just laugh because it's like she rules our life. It's too she's, much. She talk about being pussy whipped. Can you be like how? What's the equivalent of like pussy whipped to a toddler? I'm like diaper whipped by We're the baby. We're diaper whipped. Like we can't. Like she just she controls everything. And unless, and then I, and Dave, if it was up to Dave, we would put on Peppa Pig. I would, well, I, I would be Curious so. Curious George, Peppa Pig. What else does Dave like to watch with her? I like Sesame, Sesame Street, Curious George, Peppa, and Peppa Pig, Pig, and um, she loves Daniel Tiger. And so. I don't like Daniel Tiger. Dave, like we think we've talked about before, Dave can put the TV on for hours and hours and hours and hours, and Susie is more than happy with that. But after about a half an hour, I start to get very anxious, and I feel like we're not We're doing, rotting her brain. We're rotting her brain, and we're not doing our job. And um, so, yeah. Well, I, I didn't tell you this. But um, one day when I got up early, I bring Susan downstairs, and I put on uh, the Disney Channel, and uh, and I and I you know Disney on demand Disney Plus has every Disney movie ever you know, and I always wanted to see the live version of uh, the Lion King, so I put she's, on for her she's too little. Well, I put on the Lion King. She gets and, scared. No, she's like well not at first. Mm-hmm. She's like. Lion, our giraffe. She's like saying every right. animal, and she's enjoying it. And uh, and like I don't know, forty There's like death in that movie. Yeah, well, she got scared a couple times, but like forty minutes in, she's like Coco, you know, because she yeah, loves Coco watching Melon. Coco Melon. And I'm like, come on, Susan, we're watching this movie. And um, so every time we like, Dave a, does not know how to play with her. It's so frustrating. That's not true. How, really? How dare you? We play tons. Mm-hmm. We play tons. But you're showing her hour and a half long movies. Well, we're almost done. We're almost at the end. All right, so what happened? So Coco, and did you take off the line? Then I shut off off the TV, but she freaks out when I shut off the TV. Um, But every day, I I, I, I need to see how it ends. So every day, I'm watching a little bit more. And just now, um, Simba is confronting Scar, and she's like... Daddy, 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 I'm and I'm like Susan. We got to we got to see how this thing ends. Oh my gosh! And then the fucked up thing to me also is like, are we ruining the podcast with the family? Like this podcast was just about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, <laughs> and now I'm talking about the fucking lying. So let's King. go to the next. I'm waiting for you to be done with your story because I'm getting bored too. Wow. All right. So there's big news. I think you know a little bit about this big news. The Dopey store is changed. We work with a new company now called SRO Prints. SRO, they made that beautiful uh, tank top that you've been wearing a lot around the house. <laughs> and uh, they made it some nice stuff. They made the, the hoodie with the fucking uh, the Dopey head, the zip-up hoodie that I like, which mm-hmm. is dirty still. Um, and um, they're a company that's, that's all recovering heroin addicts. Which oh, is really? super cool. Oh, that is cool. And I got this dude who who started the company. He's like 15 years clean, but he's a junkie from San Francisco. He lives in Cincinnati now. His name is Brandon, and here he is. You excited to hear from him? I think that's a cool idea. Yeah. All right. So this is a very historic moment in the history of the Dopey Podcast. We have given up our old merchandise fucking company. 
and uh, I, I became friends with this guy named Brandon. Brandon, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Are you kidding me? Uh, Brandon uh, is a heroin addict who makes T-shirts, right? Yeah. Tell us about SRO Prince. Okay, so what we do is we're a full-service branding company with a social mission, and that is we give recovering drug addicts a second chance. That's our main purpose, to hire only recovering drug addicts. And the reason for that is when I got clean, you know, I've been out in the streets of San Francisco for years, and then I had no resume for 10 years. I've been using so much, so I had nothing, nothing to offer. So I know that feeling, and I also had a prison record. So, I mean, what were the options for me? Very slim. What got you so, into what got you into the merch business at all? Well, when, my first job when I got clean in San Francisco was a company named Ashbury Images, and that's where I met one of my good friends. He was their general manager, who was also a recovering heroin addict. And all they did was hire people at risk employees. They were a nonprofit. And Tracy Tracy Helton was actually friends with Kevin as well, who hired me. And they, it's a screen printing company. So I learned everything there and I became good friends with Kevin. And then we, he ended up taking me to another shop and then I became production manager. Then we started a new business in San Francisco. Then I became sales. And so I learned everything in this industry from like the leaders in the industry from nice. California to New York. How long were you on heroin? I was on heroin heavy for six years. In San Francisco. Well, the, my I started heavy in San Diego in 99, 98, 99. I came back to Cincinnati for a couple of years in and out of jail, prison. And then I went to San Francisco on the run in 2003. And I was on the streets there for two years using. And then I got clean in May of 2005. You know, I want to try something different. And rather than talk about our exciting new partnership, why don't you just hit him with the dopey first? Fuck it. <laughs> So I, I've got this one story that I've told many normies and many other people because it, it's, it's kind of funny. So it was spring, I think it's spring of 2004, and it was the first of the month. And my roommate who I was living with, my friend Eric, he had AIDS, so he got SSI. So every first of the month, he got like a check for like $900. Right. So that meant we were going to party at least for a couple of days. So we ran to the methadone clinic at General Hospital and then we ran down to 7th and Market, picked up a bunch of benzos and clodopin. And, you know, you're, well, methadone and benzos, everyone knows that. You know, that's the new mixture because you can't really get high off the dope anymore. And we're walking up the street trying to crack because we're, like, on the verge. You know, you're on that verge of, like, I'm going to black out. I've done too much already. And so we're getting up there. We get this crack, and we're, we're so whacked out. We're smoking crack on someone's front porch. <laughs> In, on the Polk Street area. And so this lady is trying to get in the door with her groceries, and we're, like, telling her to wait because we weren't done yet. And evidently she called the police on us, but we didn't know that. So our dope dealer pulled up. We get the dope and a bunch of Coke, and we're waiting for a taxi because we're going to get out of there. So every, my friends are in the taxi that shows up. I'm put, about to get in, and I feel someone grab my shoulder. And I was like, oh, fuck, it's the, you know, it's, it's the cops. So I took off running, and they just let me go. So I was like, whew, I got away, you know? So I'm running down this alley, and I'm like on the verge of blacking out, and I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, what am I? 
and then I see these like homeless clothes on the ground. I'm like, a disguise. I need a disguise. <laughs> so I pull these like homeless pants on and like a, you know, one of those hats, like a, with a fedora. And I've got this. Wait, outfit wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you find a fedora in the alley? Yeah, it's just a trashed hat and all this. It's like someone. I don't know only, how this happened. That shit only happens in San Francisco. You yeah, ne- this was. Like, you never find a nice was, hat in New York in the alley. Well, it was a it was a terrible old nasty one. Okay. So and there's like some khaki pants. Someone probably shit them. I don't know. But I just remember pulling the stuff over my clothes, and I'm like, I'm now. Invis- invisible to the police. Yes. So <laughs> I walk down the street and I walk right up to my friends and the police are there with my friends and I'm like, what's up? And the police are like, oh my fucking God. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> what they didn't, they didn't, so believe, I, they didn't believe your disguise? Yeah, no, they didn't believe the disguise. And they were just like, this is just too stupid. So they let us all go. My friend had swallowed the dope so there was nothing they could do. But the funnier part of the story is when my friend Rich had just come down from Humboldt County, he was up there trimming and he was sick. He was really sick. And my friend Eric, who, you know, who's no longer with us, Rich isn't with us either anymore. They both died. Mm. But they, he kept telling Rich, he's like, I've got, I've got dope. I've got dope. And he's like, let's go, let's go. So we all jumped in the taxi. By this time it's nighttime, you know? And we're going down Polk Street, and my friend Rich said, at a stoplight, you just got out of the cab and started walking away. And then was like, where are you going? Where are you going? I was, and he said, you just turned around and said, oh, I'm depressed. And you just walked off into the city. And poor Rich ran out to Treasure Island with you know Joel and all them thinking he's going to get dope, get well. And he's out there, and Rich is like, where is it? Where is it? And then Eric's like, oh. I forgot I swallowed it. Oh my god! <laughs> so he kept saying, like, like he kept going on, like he he was so blacked out on pills. He kept saying, "Wait, wait, wait! I have dope." And Rich is like, "Oh wait, you found it? You found it?" He's like, "Oh no, I swallowed it." <laughs> so did he and get, then eventually did he get did he get super high from the dope being in his system though? No, no, no. He he shit it out the next day. But um, what happened was because it's all wrapped in balloons. This is yeah. all tar, yeah. you know. And so what happened was, you know, he eventually came back into the city and people saw me walking around downtown San Francisco in the Tenderloin screaming, Eric, looking for Eric. And then the people saw Eric walking around the Tenderloin screaming, Brandon, looking for me. And eventually I made it back to this house out in this Richmond district where my girlfriend was staying and we had totally forgotten about her. So she was furious. It's like five in the morning. And she's like, where's Eric? I was like, I don't know. So we went out searching for him. He had collapsed two blocks away from his house and was sleeping next to a car tire oh on the ground. So this is kind of like the what happened to him like on a daily basis in San Francisco. When he shit out the dope, was it usable or not usable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was usable. Yeah. So that's the silver lining. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it was. And my favorite part is finding a, is is you uh, disguising yourself as a homeless person. <laughs> Everyone loves that story. So, what brought you to us? What what brought SRO Prince and Dopey together? What is the what is? How did you figure this thing out? It was your vision, well, Brandon. This was your vision. Well, I was I was listening to NPR. That's how I heard it. And I was listening to American Life, and then I heard you talking, and then I heard about Chris, and I was like, and then I, you learn everything right there. So I was like, well, now I got to go listen to this. 
So I was working on my house and I was listening to the podcast all day and I was like, I got to skip ahead. I need to hear what happened with Chris on this episode or whatever. So I listened to that episode and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like so devastating, you know? And then I texted Tracy and I was like, why haven't I heard of this? And she goes, I've been on it for years. I want, you know, and I was like, why didn't you tell me? And she was like, I don't know. So I just started listening. And then I didn't listen for a little while. And then I came back to it. I kept looking at the site and I was looking at the merch and I was like, this, this, this could be better. And that's when I reached out to you on Facebook. Then you and I started talking, was it in November? Yeah, it's taken a long time to get to this point. But the now well, it's we, hard. there is a new dopey store up and it looks super clean and uh and we have some cool hoodies. We have the cool new just the head zip up with the train on the back, the limited edition big bud, big bird tee and long sleeve. Are you excited? Yes, these are gonna look great. I think Dopey Nation is gonna be very happy with everything these are all going to be on really nice shirts it's going to be super soft super super thin so not big big thick shirts and brandon was making fun of you were making fun of our women's tank top saying how the the dopey logo was on the woman's belly and now it's finally where it's (laughs) supposed to be so look out ladies there's some nice gear for you do you think uh the the dopey store is going to be bigger than ramon's merch one day I hope so. I think if we do this right and Dopey Nation, you know, this is important that you support Dave and you support the podcast. It's also supporting us, too. So, I mean, this is this is a one addict or alcoholic helping the other, you know, right. and then we're trying to help you guys at the same time. And just to let everyone know, it's like it's possible to do these things. You know, I was a 137 pound heroin addict on the streets of San Francisco almost 15 years ago. And now here I am, own a house, I'm married, have two children, have a business. I mean, these things are achievable. It takes work, but it's achievable. Right. And uh, and your partner is also a heroin addict in recovery, right? Yes. And Chase, Chase is going to be coming up on 10 years. And I met him in 2012. I have good friends with his sponsor, his sponsor I used to use together. And Chase was an amazing designer, a really good designer. And he was working at some shitty restaurant as a, as a server. And then he just started helping out. And then he and I got this together. And then, you know, my wife is also majority shareholder of the company because she really helped us get to the next level. So, well, but she- we're very excited to partner up Dopey and SRO Prince fucking two uh, all junky, all the time, all recovering uh, sort of companies. My Dopey isn't really as much of a company as SRO Prince, but I'm excited that we're doing something together. Yes, it's going to be a great relationship. All right, so you guys fucking go to the Dopey store. It's at dopeypodcast.com. And, uh, and the big, tell them about how the limited edition thing works for the Big Bird. All right, so what we're going to do, and Dave and I talked about this extensively, and we want to make sure everyone in Dopey Nation gets an opportunity to get this shirt because it's going to be super nice. So what we're doing is for the next 30 days, ordering the, um, the Big Bud shirt. So if you want to order that, we're going to keep it open for 30 days. So we're not going to be shipping those orders until the end when we collect all the orders and do a run at once. So if you just order that shirt, 
please note you won't be getting it for a little while because we're waiting for all the other orders to come in. It's going to be at the end of April. We're going to we're going to do the printing. So if you put in an order now, you're going to get it in the first first 10 days of May or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You should be good with that. So, and then, and it's limited edition, on, super special. But if you, but if you, <laughs> you know, so you should get it while you can. But then I think, I think we were talking about releasing new limited edition shirts. We're going to try and do monthly if we can manage it. So be on the lookout for a lot of new stuff, a lot of new stuff. Excellent. Thank you, Brandon. I'm very excited. And uh, Dopey Nation, check out the store. All right. You got, you got anything else you want to add? Well, you feel good about um, this. How's coronavirus treating you? (laughs) It's, I mean, I'm just working here. Chase is working remotely because he's just doing design work. So I'm essential to the business survival. So it's just me coming from my house to here, which is five minutes away. And then that way, you know, if you order shirts, it hasn't been exposed to much of the public except FedEx. Right. Excellent. That's it. Also, I think Chase should start working on some kind of praying mantis cookie design. I think that should be I the think next we thing. can work that out. All right. Well, thank He's you. He's got some time right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, thank you, Brandon. I'm very excited, and I'm happy that uh, we're doing this thing. Sounds good. Right on, man. All right. Bye. Cool. So that's very exciting. There's a limited edition Big Bird t-shirt, short sleeve oh, and long sleeve. Oh, I love the Big Bird one. Short sleeve. Smoke the Big Bird smoking the yes. cigarette. Short sleeve and long sleeve available just for the next 30 days. You put in pre-orders, see what you can get. Um, can they make a sexy big bird tank top? top? I don't know. You got to make the tank. The tank tops are very cool. If you guys want a sexy big the bird. Girl, the girls would like the tank tops. If you want a sexy big bird tank top, send me an email at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Let me know about it. I think um, I like to hear from you guys. Um if you have music or you have a story, send it to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. If you're quarantined at home and you have nothing else to do, send in a story, right? Yes. Here's an email. You ready? You want to read it or do you want me to read it? It's up to you. Do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? I'll read it. All right, great. It's at the bottom. Hey, Dave. Not sure if you were still reading dopey stories Of or course not. we're reading dopey stories. But I thought I'd give you one. I'm not necessarily afflicted, but I've definitely struggled with alcohol abuse and am now three years sober. I do not have a lot of contact with the afflicted, though, as I am a paramedic in the Seattle area, currently working in the city as of the last five months. Um, As I'm sure many of your listeners know, Seattle is hit hard with the opiate epidemic. Walking into some of the shelters here, they are so packed, it feels like the scene from a zombie apocalypse type movie. Anyway, we get called to this house with 8 to 10 people in their mid-20s who are drinking, etc. Apparently, there's someone who's acting a little odd, taking his clothes off and freaking everyone out. Pretty tame so far. So we get there, and there's this big guy, six foot five, probably 250 pounds, who is face down, hands behind his back, screaming at the top of his lungs, and, is, and he's butt naked. He's going off about taking an intergalactic journey with us, among other things. He's also slipped in, I touched a girl on the crotch. I shouldn't have done that. We kind of just pretended we didn't hear that. To add another layer, the dude is sweating his ass off like someone just threw a five-gallon bucket of water on him. Somehow he is covered in crushed-up Cool Ranch Doritos as if he poured a bag on the floor and then rolled all over it. We ended up you giving love Cool Ranch Doritos, I think don't that's you? a funny image. It, reminds me of, it sounds like a chicken cutlet. 
We ended up giving him 500 milligrams of ketamine to put him down, which did the trick real well. Figured he was in excited delirium. We gathered that he took a bunch of acid and then started flipping out. He ended up being a nice guy, was just literally out of his mind, made for a good laugh on the way back from the hospital. Another quick note, called for a guy who was... I called for a guy who was intoxicated, stole some compressed air from Walmart, and was huffing it. Cops did a quick pat down and pulled like four cans of air off him. Halfway to the hospital, we are sitting across from each other in the back, and he dips his head under one of his five jackets, and I hear, Shh. I basically scold him like a child because I'm not going to try to take it from him. Don't get paid enough to wrestle with addicts. He kept getting high all the way to the ER. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. Love it. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and toodles, Tim. That's Tim? That's funny. Well, please, yeah, I love that story. I love the chicken cutlet, and I love the addict (laughs) huffing on the way to the hospital. Yeah. Um, If you guys have a story, send in a voicemail, send in an email. Um, Email. And um, uh, before we go, I want to check in with my dad. You know, the Dopey Nation is very worried about my dad. I like it when my dad reads a review, so we're going to call my dad. Okay. Okay. Have you had enough of my dad yet? We talk to Alan a lot. Here we go. All right. So I got my dad on the phone. Before you do anything, everybody, first of all, everybody thinks you're very handsome, but uh, they're also very concerned about your well being. How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. I think today was, was a hard day. It was raining out, and, uh, and I left the house, and uh, there was too many. I was trying to avoid people, but it's it's not not that easy to avoid people trying to get out from the twenty first floor. Did you hear? That's did you, Dad? Did you hear that the virus is now blowing in the wind in Manhattan? That's that's nonsense. It's, it's, if you stay six feet away and you wear a mask, and I think you should be wearing a mask. I think it's very important that when you go out, you wear a mask, especially if you're going to go into a store. When did uh, when did you become a medical professional, Dad? How do you know the virus isn't blowing in the wind? I think that's a song from somebody uh, blowing in the wind. Uh, let's say, let's hope it isn't. Anyway, wear a mask. I think it's important to wear a mask. I wear a mask if I go out. I have the coronavirus. I, I revealed that I, too, have the coronavirus. Yeah, I was wondering, why Why keeping it a secret? What was that all about? Ask my lovely partner. Hi, Alan. That's my fault. But you were thinking of discrimination against people who get the virus. Is that what you're thinking? Yes, people. I thought it was going to increase the discrimination of you, New York City folk, bringing it out to us. She means Jews. No, no Alan. No, no, actually, I think that's what's happening. Right. I think people are are afraid of New York City people, but we're gonna. I hope we're gonna be cured and immune from it. Uh, I hope. I hope. But it's really bad in New York. It is not good. Uh, I walk past the Javits Center. I walk past that ship. What are you I going by the Javits Center? The vi- it's like a hospital. Dad, why do you go to every place that sick people go? First I you w- go to the hospital ship, and now you're going to the new hospital? No, no. I was there before anybody was in it. I I, I was there, be- and hardly there are hardly any people in there now, but I, I'm expecting that it's going to be much more. Can you well, the ship I, is all... The, get out for a walk. But the ship is uh, also... Once I'm outside, it's easy, but just getting out of this building is hard. But once I'm outside, it's easy. And I'm afraid about gaining weight also. Listen, but, slow down. Yeah. Can you do me a favor, and when you go for your walk, walk away from the sick people and not towards them? 
That's a very good idea. Yes, David. Excellent. Good thinking. Yeah. You that's walk true. towards the makeshift hospital. No, Dave. Uh, I will wear my mask and I avoid the people. Absolutely. That's the, sh- the ship, for the record, is for healthy people. It's a ship no. for people who don't have the coronavirus, so women can give birth in an environment where there's no coronavirus. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, that's true. You that's have to true. be tested before you even go on the ship, before you can even be allowed to go on there that you're negative. So your dad was not doing anything wrong being at the ship. You know, Dad, I, I have a theory that you already had the coronavirus. Remember when you were having those headaches right before this whole thing happened? Yeah, yeah. That's my I still have a little bit of a headache. Uh, but um, I, I think it's from wearing these glasses too much today. <laughs> Alan. Anyway, but the Javits Center is now going to get COVID patients. So I'll stay away from there. Alan, is it, it, Alan, is your your headache you think is from wearing your glasses? It's from his dollar store readers, right, Dad? They're 99 cents. As you got to buy quality glasses. <laughs> it's going to give you a headache. And Are you eating the, the, the cheap on-sale mint Oreo cookies too? No, there aren't any. There aren't any Oreo cookies in the house. Uh, there are two more boxes of cookies left over uh, that I haven't touched yet. But I'm cooking up a storm. I'm going to make a spinach lasagna tomorrow. You heard this? He's making a spinach lasagna. Only he doesn't have lasagna, so he's making the spinach lasagna with elbows. <laughs> Not elbows. <laughs> those farfalle things. Farful. Farfalle or bow farfalle? ties. Bow ties. But, the, but that is, it is by design, not lasagna. That's it, not lasagna, though, Alan. That's like a pasta dish. It's a pasta dish. It won't be good. By the way, what else no, are you messing up? What else are you replacing in this lasagna dish? Um, well, this, this, I, bought, I bought ricotta cheese and Parmesan cheese and uh, uh, mozzarella cheese. And a lot of cheese, sounds, Alan. Sounds good to me. All right. But- <laughs> And and you're going to have your pasta do your puzzle. It doesn't sound like it's sounding good through this phone that I'm in. So I hope hope you're not going to get another complaint about your sound. All right. I think this has been a really wonderful... You know, Nora said that the worst part about her coronavirus experience has been FaceTiming with you. (laughs) No. She actually said it was FaceTiming with Grandma. That's terrible. I know. I don't believe that. She didn't say that. No, I said that. That's a lie. Um... She loves FaceTiming with her grandpa, and we're all excited for our Zoom Seder next week. We're Zooming Well, Seder. yeah, I tried getting <laughs> you on Zoom see today. Linda's Man, I, was, uh, I had a hard time, but I finally did it. We should invite the whole Dopey Nation to the Zoom Seder. Yeah, um, and by the way, I bought, uh, I bought gefilte fish and matzah, by the way, and horseradish. All right. Well, I got that. Who's, who's conducting the Seder? Are you doing it, uh, Alan? I guess it's going to be me. No, maybe Renato. I don't know. We're, we're, we'll I don't, I, we, we might have be having Wi-Fi issues on that first night of Passover and the second. Why? What do you mean Wi-Fi? What do you mean? I mean, we might, our internet might be, da- might be down. Maybe the Zoom won't work. Well, for what reason? Why, are you bringing, why would that Because be? we don't want to do the fucking internet Seder. I mean, I'm just joking. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, you talk in circles. I don't know what you're saying. Anyway, what's happening over there? What do we, let's what's get let's get to the iTunes review. I think this has been one of the worst appearances you've ever had on the show. And you look, I do my I do my best. He was half Listen, asleep when you called him. him. He's he's fading. I, I, You're suffering from encephalopathy. You know what that I is? Do, uh, I don't know. Lack of a brain. What does it mean? Something like that. Oh. Uh, which, which review you want me to read? The oh, horrible the, ones. Yeah, read me the the worst review you can find. 
The one about the privileged white people. I, that's my favorite I, one. I refuse to read that one. I love yes, that one. I agree, Alan. Read Terrible. that one. When's the last I, time we had a person of color on the show? Uh, what are you talking I, I have no idea. Exactly, because we're just a bunch of privileged white people on this show. Um, read read well, the good I, review. Read, read the good one. Read the next, the last good one. Uh, which, I mean, there was one. A guy wrote a really long one. Yeah, read that I, one. Uh, a brilliant commentary on the modern addict. Is that the one? That sounds good. That sounds flattering. All right. Dopey is a colorfully painted silhouette of the modern recovering addict. Isn't that beautiful writing? Dave sits upon a mountain of followers. Give me a break. This, this is, is This is very strange. I, I wrote this one. Did you write that, Dave? <laughs> no, Alan, did you write this? No. No. Continue. Right, Dave, uh, you sitting upon a mountain. Yeah, that's fun. Dave sits upon a mountain of followers, <laughs> hanging on his every word, just hoping for more of what he has so massively oh, articulated. Oh boy! But this guy is this. Uh, maybe this guy is on something. All right, read uh, read a negative one if you can't handle this. This is too. Stuff. This is too much. This is this too one. schmaltzy for you. Just read it. Just it's nice. Dave it's, wants to this hear. This guy it, spent Alan. a lot of time on this. Thing. Uh, Dave wants this uh, read. Okay. All right. All right. Dave sits upon a mountain of followers, hanging on his. Every, every word. word. Just hoping for more of what he has so massively articulated over the past few years. More and more addicts are flocking to podcasts and online recovery platforms in a long incoming wholesale rejection of the traditional 12-step dogma. Dave does subscribe to some traditional 12-step recovery while leaving room for a much needed and more nuanced approach to getting and staying clean. This is much more than a few war stories with a stage set with dirty needs set neck to burned and mangled spoons. I think he meant dirty, dirty needles. Well, oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, Dirty needles set next to burned and mangled spoons amongst (laughs) fat food trash and crumpled receipts. This is recovery today, and it couldn't be better depicted and shepherded by the Dopey podcast and the ghosts of our dear and deceased Uh, friends and family. Is that Charles Bukowski? That's nice. It's very very poetic. It's a very beautiful review. Yeah, very nice. And dad, first of all, I want to make sure that everybody knows that I'm just playing. Obviously, you're, you, we love you. I love you very much. You're very important to us. We'll do your stupid Seder. And we're happy that this uh, Corona thing hasn't gotten to you yet. Um, and I say yet, but hopefully yeah. it won't. No. And I, I, uh, just don't take that elevator, Alan. See, uh, you know, the battery is moving and the car works. All right, maybe so it's I'm, time to get out of Dodge, Dad. Yeah, maybe That's it's what not. I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm I, thinking I think you should to leave. head head but up we'll state. See. We'll see what happens. All right, so uh, we're going to try out the Zoom on Sunday to see if it works, and then maybe for uh, for April eighth for the if we can do the state. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Dad. Wait, 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 wait. The other thing was I saw somebody in the Dopey Nation talking about how to make a good chicken soup. And while my father is a terrible cook... He's an amazing... He's really good at making chicken soup. Soup maker. So why don't you break it down for the Dopey Nation? Oh, the... the, Well, it's very... It's really easy. Uh, You have a couple of cans of chicken broth, and then you buy... You buy chicken. You buy raw chicken, and you carefully remove fat and put the chicken into into the broth and add maybe the same amount of water, maybe a little bit more, then carrot and dill and... Uh, the dill is crucial. 
dill is crucial. And my Garlic. mother and grandmother used to make with parsnips and, and turnips and things, but I, I never used that. And you can even put in potatoes. You can you can put in uh, you know, salt and pepper. Anyway, it's good. And you let it cook for uh, at least an hour. Did Grandma Pearl put in um, the fat or she took the fat out also? Well, after the soup is, is finished, the fat is on the top and you just remove it with a spoon after it's it's done. When you put it in the refrigerator, you'll see the fat would be on the top. I bet you your grandfather used to use that fat uh, and fry it and, and, and use it to eat with or something. That was called grieving, uh, fried chicken fat. It was... Actually, it was pretty good, but and he lived to be pretty old. So Linda's Linda's giving me the "it's time to wrap it up" sign. No, I'm but not. But it was a pleasure. Yeah. It was a pleasure as always to have you on the show. Everybody thinks you're so handsome and wants you to live forever, and so do we. So well, listen, I'm 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 very I'm very um, thankful that they they are thinking about about us old folks. And thank you so much, Dopey Nation. And please, people, be safe out there. Be very safe out there. You be safe. You be safe, Alan. Don't take the elevator. Dr. Drew said you have to take the stairs. 21 flights up, he's going to get a heart attack. Oh, you have, no, you have to wear don't your mask. Me. Never leave your mask at home. No, um, I have the mask, and I was, I'm going to take the elevator up. I, I mean, I could meet somebody in the hallway going down. It would be just as bad. So. I bet you already had it. That's my, my bet. But anyway, you be safe, yeah. and we love you. Love you. All right. Love we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Uh, bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. Uh, the great Alan on Dopey. And I think... Uh, it's so crazy because your dad lives on the 21st floor and he can't... Obviously, I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's too big. Going up 21 flights in and out of your house. He has to take the elevator. It's too much. He can't hold his breath. He can wear a mask. It's like, you know, he's the perfect example of like, well, think about what, what Dr. Drew said at the beginning of the show. So it's, it's um, you know, it's scary. But I think your dad is so healthy. He's so smart. He knows, you know, he knows what to do to kind of keep himself safe. Well, he's also but like... But it's scary. You know, we love Alan and it's... it's, it's we, we, I, I worry about him. Not... I think your dad is like, healthier than most people my age but i do worry about his living environment that it's it's you know it's he's vulnerable to, to this thing but my dad is very smart and measured and he takes precautions to keep his brain active and to keep his body moving the only stupid thing is he walks towards the bodies but, hey, but that's not that's listen he's walking towards the german infected your dad Javits is, center your dad needs to be out and about walking around clearing his head i would do the same thing i would do the same exact thing and um I think your dad's going to be fine. I really do. Well, let's hope so. Before we go, I want to play a voicemail from a Dopey Nation member in Glasgow, Scotland. Hello, Dopey Nation. Uh, this is this is Connor. Um, firstly, sorry if the audio recording is a bit scratchy. Uh, I'm currently outside, um, walking along the lovely streets of Glasgow. Um, yeah, so just a quick one. Uh, this is a little voice note involving uh, time that I took a Peruvian pharmaceutical of some kind. I don't know, inconclusive uh, as to what it actually was. But uh, this was a few years ago, it was about 
17 or 18, I can't quite remember, um, and I went to a barbecue. Uh, I got there quite late, so it was quite a tame one for me. Uh, I had a couple of beers and a little line of, uh, of Coke, and uh, got in a taxi home with my good friend Ollie, who's a lovely, lovely person, but also a bit of a reprobate, and uh, he just got back from Peru. And uh, he asked me if I wanted a Valium, which, you know, obviously I said yes. Uh, and I took it in the cab, uh, expecting it to kick in in, you know, half an hour or whatever, and, you know, drift off into a nice uh, long sleep, waking up feeling refreshed. Um, but yeah, basically, I got home, I went and made myself a fish finger sandwich. Um, and that was the last I remembered. Um, I then got woke up by my dad, literally shaking me awake, uh, saying, "What did you? What did you do last night? What were you on?" And obviously, I denied everything at first. I said, "Nah, I just had a few beers." And he said, "Nah, nah, you didn't, <laughs> because uh, for one, you didn't smell like booze, and two, you." passed out whilst you were walking up the stairs um, now this was this was news to me um, and uh, I looked down at the side of the bed and the fish finger sandwich was sort of splattered on the floor lots of sort of mayo and stuff um, and then my sister came into my room and just sort of burst out laughing and I uh, asked her what was so funny and she told me to go to the mirror and I went and looked in the mirror and I had a huge welt on my lip where it just sort of swollen up. And um, she then informed me that I was having a perfectly lucid conversation with her whilst making this sandwich. Um, and then uh, one eye sort of rolled up into the back of my head. And then I just started mumbling incoherently and began to carry the sandwich on a plate, waiter style, up the stairs, which um, which I subsequently collapsed on. But then got up and then sort of made my way to bed. So somehow I had fainted on the stairs, but managed to preserve the sandwich, um, which then obviously I dropped as soon as I got to my room, clearly. Um, so yeah, uh, obviously it wasn't a Valium, it was some kind of dodgy date rape drug, um, so yeah, not quite sure what Ollie had intended, but, um, yeah, it didn't work out as, uh, as I'd hoped. Uh, so there's an international voicemail from Connor, Connor, uh, fucking not Connor. bumbling the fish finger sandwich on the steps. I love that. I love... Fucking dopey voicemails. Next week, uh, we're going to get a voicemail from Mr. Uh, Tidy Whitey himself, Jeremy Turner. Be excited. I'm going to make him re-record it. Jeremy, the fucking audio is no good. He's on the boat. It's too loud. Got to do it again. <laughs> um, that story also reminded me of back in the day, Todd would come over um, to my apartment uh, at night and we would get high on heroin. And I would... Um, I was waiting tables. I had just started waiting tables and I would get super high and be nodding off. And Todd would tell me that I would be recounting the orders of the day. I'd be like, 
Hey, you want corned beef and a root beer? Really? And as I was nodding out, I would just be like asking if Todd wanted a black cherry soda or something. And you uh, do that, but you do that when you're falling asleep. I'm in your sleep too. <laughs> you talk in your sleep all the time. Do I ever I say, "Do you want cream soda?" I don't. I I try not to listen. You want the fish like, finger sandwich? But I bet if I, I think next time I'm going to listen and see if it's. Well, now you have you've been out of work for a while, but I bet if you were working, it'd be a lot of uh, it'd deli be a lot talk. of deli talk. Yeah. Well, um, we wish you guys. I wish you guys the best. I'm sure yeah. Linda wishes you guys the best. If you're fucking struggling, reach out. Everybody yes, wants to help. Please. This is the time, like where people like want to help each other. They got nothing else to do. And if you're really struggling, I, I say go to treatment now because now is it's like the the best thing to do right now is to recover because it's not like you can do anything else. Right. And and like you're gonna is have treatment. I and I don't know this. You would know this more than me. Are the treatment programs still up and running? Yeah. So, so they're them. they're viewed as essential and. Yeah, um, of course. Okay. I mean, they're also making money off of addicts. You know, right. I don't. I don't know about public detox. That's an interesting question. Uh, if you guys know about public detox, let us know. I, I, mean, I would. I would say. I would. My guess would be absolutely yes. Of I course. Mean, anything that is. You know, I have friends that work in homeless shelters. I have friends that work, um, in you know, in recovery, and, and they're still. Everybody's still working. Well, last week we had a buddy of mine from a Methadone Clinic, and, and they're. Totally up and running. And I'm sure detox is up and running. The point is when the world is so fucked up and everything is so out of whack and if you're still using and you've always wanted to get clean, now could be the time to do it because nobody's going to notice how fucked up you are. You know what I mean? Like we're all fucked up. We're all crazy. And um, I love that you guys are doing these Zoom meetings. Uh, I love that the, the show means something to everybody. It means a lot to me. And um, Linda, thank you for doing the show. And if anybody is is you know um, wants some extra support as far as you know, obviously recovery work, but then if anybody's even concerned about like just with simple virus questions, like they're you know because Dave and I just kind of went through this for the last couple of weeks. Um, Feel free. Reach out. You know, we're both. You know, I'm on I'm on Dopey Nation. Dave, you know, you know, Dave obviously. Write me at dopeypodcast you know, at gmail.com. Right. He has his own way of being reached out to. You or write the, write the write Facebook us, page or Instagram. I, and, and I will talk to anybody. I mean, I'm sitting home quarantined. Like, call me. Reach out She's to me. She's got the baby in one hand and the phone in her other. She's no, ready. But I just mean if you just have questions or you're feeling, if you have any anxiety or you're stressed out or you're a combination of all of these issues, what have you, we're here. We're available. Um, there's a lot of support out there. Right now, for everybody, have you considered doing a mother load episode on the coronavirus and motherhood within the quarantine? I have not. All right, well, there you <laughs> go. Dopey Nation, fucking stay strong. Stay strong. Stay, like B get said, stay socially, socially distant. And uh, stay <laughs> strong, stay healthy, do what you got to do, and fucking toodles for Chris. Yeah. All right.
so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and I wanna call my dad. And it's all I ever had. 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 Suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and I wanna call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had.